final report of the podcast Thirsty for More. Third host reporting. The other hosts of the show, Alex, Milenko, and friends of the show, Kays, Anna, Catherine, Lee, and more, are all dead. No, they're they're not dead. They're they're all totally alive. With a little luck, a major radio network will pick us up. This is Layla, last host of the pod, signing off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thirsty for More. This is our new alien series we are doing, and I'm your host, Malenko. And I'm your host, Alex. Nice to meet you. And I'm also your host, Layla. Nice to meet you. Ooh, <laughs> format switch-up of the show. So, obviously, obviously, something's a little bit different. We have yeah. Layla on the program today. And for the entirety of the Alien series, this is going to be like a mini dive, but also like a mini total switch-up. Yes, big switcheroo. What the audience doesn't know. Well, they do because I mentioned it in the last episode. But what the audience doesn't know is that we have like a special bond with not only this movie, but this series. Yeah, we sure do. Like early on when we were becoming closer friends, because we've known each other since high school. When we were becoming closer friends, it was, I think, partially due to this movie. And then Alex, being my brother, (laughs) also joined in on that and for years called you aliens. (laughs) I take pride in that. That actually makes me quite happy that I would be referred to. If I'm going to be reduced at all, I'd rather rather be reduced to that than, you know, something else. (laughs) Well, you know, and like, I've always, I've always thought of you as Ripley. Yeah, because you're even rocking the amazing hair, the weird, like, faux mullet she has in this, in this episode, in this movie. It's It's true. It's true. And I just cut my hair. And I, as we were like prepping, I was looking at my reflection in the Zoom uh, camera and I was like, damn, I look like Ripley today. I'm ready. It's just super important i think to to look the part as well yeah no i've always thought of you i mean for for a multitude of reasons you know you are you are a strong woman mm-hmm. you are you are like uh you know badass like ripley oh, you have yeah. the hairdo thank you well, thank you oh my god uh, oh god oh god <laughs> oh god i can't wait to get to oh, yeah. i know well, uh, thank you. That's a huge compliment. I uh, she is my my all time favorite heroine, and I definitely aspire to be Ripley like. So uh, I take it as a huge compliment that you that you think I'm Ripley Ripley esque. You've also we we didn't you go wait we were gonna go as you went as Ripley for Halloween and <laughs> I went as Newt and then I was and then I was nude and Layla and wasn't I, Ripley. I'm so sorry. I fucking last minute bailed on you and I went as Deanna Troy. I never met a chocolate I didn't like. Which was you know it's difficult. Well, you're equal parts Deanna yeah. Troy and equal parts Ripley. I think. It's kind of true. <laughs> um, I, I, I will say that the reason I equate you more with Ripley than Deanna Troy is I find that Deanna Troy is a bit more useless than No, <laughs> no. Okay. You know what? I, I just knew that would trigger you. I didn't, I didn't actually mean No, that. no. Deanna Troy is only useless when she's supposed to be performing a function. 
Like, yes. if she's, like, on the bridge and they're like, what are you, what, are you picking anything up? And she's like, I sense fear. And they're like, thanks. I could have fucking seen that on their face. But when it comes to, like, being, she's actually smart. She's strategic. She's a problem solver. She's a good friend. She's funny. She's actually a great colleague, but she's not really helpful in providing insight in like tactical moments. Yeah. Um, so but yeah. For, okay. for the power yeah. that she has really. Yeah, like, exactly. She's good at her job yeah. and she's a good character, but, but to be like, to like <laughs> defer to her as like, Oh man, like you've got this special ability. And then it's like, I sense Something that's very obvious that we all sense right now. Yeah, we know he's angry. He's frowning, Troy. I mean, okay, in defense of Deanna Troy, because I'm watching it again right now, um, Mm. Star Trek The Next Generation, that is. Fucking nerd. And, and like, I I, I know, I know. Um, But, but like, watching it this time around, like, she is, like, I think she points out all of the things that are obvious to the audience in a kind of, like, theatrical Shakespearean way where like the character is showing how evil they are or whatever or how like shifty or something so like we're presuming that she senses these things and we as audience members sense these things but that the nuances aren't coming across to the rest of the crew so I feel like it's kind of you know what I mean I don't know almost like a chorus yeah I feel like it is kind of like play like in that respect I don't know fair enough yeah I'm fine with that. I was just joking. Um, but <laughs> since we did mention Lambert, uh, I, I like I really want to get this out of the way because I, like I mean I was in in terms of in contrast to my my sort of like I guess I don't know what would you say image on this show as being the quote unquote like I I don't like PC culture or like. <laughs> I, I don't like Malenko's performativity or whatever, which is like I don't I don't consider myself that. But and I also don't consider myself to ex- be performative. Exactly. Uh, but like I I I really when when it came out that Lambert was trans in the movie, like in in fiction in the movie, people are reacting. Are, are you well, yeah, not I, aware of this? This is news no, I didn't to know me. that Lambert's trans. Okay, so no. this is going to be my my peak. Uh, how did you guess for this? How did you guess? <laughs> the character is a male to female trans person in the movie, within the world of the movie. Oh. And it says on on her her like description. There's like a screenshot, and you can look it up. And it says male to female. In in the movie, isn't that crazy? I had no idea. I love it. Yeah, I love. There that. was like a giant, like it was when when people weren't saying woke, they were saying SJW instead. Uh, <laughs> when when and and people like were like freaking out, being like, "This isn't true. This isn't true." And it's fucking in the movie, so it's true. So wow. But yeah, that that makes me like. Like that, that to me is like really, really interesting on a level. I mean, that's bombshell stuff, dude. I had no idea. But yeah, either way, it's like a a, a nice little Easter egg that, that to me, like what, what I realized, I wrote this down as the movie was actually ending, but to me, like what I realized 
Because we did Terminator, the first one, and I sort of started realizing I really engage with movies, the older that I get, with simplicity Mm -hmm. and subtlety a lot more. Because, like, when I was a kid, like, I mean, you know, as much as as I would like to to view Terminator 2 as a much more subtle movie than Terminator 1, it kind of isn't. Like, it's bigger, it's bolder, it's, it's uh, like, a little more, there's a little more fat to it, you know what I mean? And I just feel like w- coming out of watching this movie this time, I was like, I just kind of think this is the best one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to agree with you. I, I kept feeling like, whenever I watch Alien, from the very, from the jump, I'm always like, this is a perfect movie. This is a perfect yeah. movie. Because to me, it's timeless. Like, they made the perfect choices of where to invest in concept and where to keep things simple so that you're not, it doesn't date itself the way a lot of sci-fi does because you have these qualities of mundaneness and like, you know, humanity that of course in any time of human existence, people are gonna just be fucking people. And yet, you know, but the concepts of the alien and the alien kind of craft, you know, they put a lot of energy and like art direction into that and they put a lot of energy into certain concepts that elevate it but that aren't easily dated because they're done so well and there's just it, it is simple and it is like spare in certain ways and it doesn't hit you over the head with things it uses like these elemental qualities like of light and shadow and it's just i don't know i just i i mean I'm most nostalgic about Aliens, but I do feel that Alien is the most... It's like the arty one. That's how I think of it. It's like, it is truly a beautiful, timeless movie. I agree. I I also think that, that like, in the overall, just piggybacking off that idea of timelessness, even in the tech, uh, like, despite being old-style tech, it really does feel like everything serves a practical function in the ship. And because of that, it sort of alleviates a lot of, why isn't this a flat screen? Or why is this, like, 480 rather than 4K? You know what I mean? Like, all that kind of stuff sort of flies out the window, given the... the It flies out the airlock, dude. It flies out the airlock. Flies out of the goddamn airlock. Goddamn airlock, exactly, exactly. Um, and and the idea that these things serve their function, uh, and everything in the background is sort of adds this this vitality and realness to everything. The realness. And what I noticed this time too is the slow transition between everything being sort of heavenly white into just pure blackness in terms of uh, like uh, structure of the like ship itself. Like if you notice, everything just becomes darker and darker and darker as opposed to the beginning in contrast, it's just like a pure whiteness. It's such a great movie. It's uh, It's so great. Stuff that I was like noticing just because like I've seen the movie so many times that like just in the peripheries of the movie, just like noticing background, noticing set pieces, noticing set design. I just like sort of forewent like watching the movie as because it's so much in me that like I know what this movie is. Like we all quoted, yeah, God, uh, at the beginning. Of the, uh, at the beginning, and it's just like that's what this movie is to us. Like we have it in our bones. We feel it, you know. Ah, oh, God. 
Absolutely. Totally. And I, I actually, you know, what you're saying about would people balk at how low tech it looks and like yeah. the fact that they have these fucking like, I don't know, it looks like Oregon Trail on the computer <laughs> screen. But I was thinking that like, you know what? This is a pretty mining vehicle. This is not the elite sleek technology, you know, this is like a fucking pickup truck beater kind of vehicle for it's all utility and I love the way that all of the tech aspects are like tactile, their buttons, their lights, it's bright. Yeah. Like, you know, even when she goes to activate the self-destruct, it's these like this very tactile physical process of pulling up these cylinders and I just thought you know I think of like construction vehicles and like all these kinds of vehicles of utility even military vehicles it's not necessarily going to be smooth and sleek and beautiful and like fucking Tesla it's going to be like practical something that I wanted to point out too is that like Tech is, re especially in, in space, generally is really expensive. So they really wouldn't update a lot of that kind of stuff. Right. That's the funny thing about the, the sort of uh, like idea of something like Prometheus later on, which is so high tech. Uh, and, and in contrast to this, which like, I mean, it kind of wouldn't be like you would have things be old and they would get older and older and older. In fact, that's. Like, the best elements of Star Wars also function in that way. Like, everything is always really used and old-looking because this is a lived-in world. And that's that's sort of what I what I appreciate about, about Alien. Uh, and also, I gotta say, like, in terms of uh, characters that I used to not care anything about, I looked at them very precisely in this one. Tom Skerritt comes to mind as Dallas, and Lambert uh, as, uh, or Veronica Cartwright Right as Lambert. First of all, Veronica Cartwright is incredible in the movie. Just as as like the subtleties of of like you know, just like the, her character development throughout the movie is amazing. Uh, and Tom Skerritt, it too, just like being a guy who's so over it and just being like fuck, dude, yeah. like, I don't care about any of you people. Like, I care about you as co-workers, but I want to go. Like, I just don't want to be here anymore. The defeated nature of his character, I just never realized before. And I'm sorry, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I feel like this movie's like 40 years old, and I feel like a lot of a lot of people have covered this in different podcasts, so I feel like I, we can jump around a little teeny bit. Mm -hmm. But I also was heartwarmed by the 20th Century Fox logo coming up and also the excitement of aliens slowly appearing and also how much the, the, the color design and the color palette of this movie influenced each movie separately. Every color was stolen from this movie and just infused on one level in, in the rest of them. Absolutely. The second one is blue. The the third one is yellow, orange. Uh, the, the, third, the fourth one is green. Like, all of these colors are influenced in this movie. They all come from this. That's why I also think this is peak of all of them, you know? Yeah, this movie is just like a beautiful primary color palette and like employed through lighting. And I mean, I totally agree with you. I have like my own feelings about each character and I kind of see them each as like, I compare them each with Ripley in terms of like the capacity to survive. And like Tom Skerritt is really a checked out 
leader. He's he's yeah. so fucking over it. You're right, and he makes mistakes, and he he's not operating from a place of instinct and um, and uh, caution the way that Ripley is. She's engaged. She's pushing back on him, and he's just fucking checked out. And the the way in which each person is too much, like either too cautious um, or too bold, to me, is what determines like their death like lambert's incredible because you know lambert's often saying like let's get the fuck out of here lambert's actually really up in in their instincts of like i don't like this i want to leave but doesn't have the kind of assertiveness required to uh to survive like yeah lambert fucking freezes in front of the alien yeah, uh, for sure. But but I don't know if you guys want to like walk through the actual plot and then we can Yeah. How do you want to do it, Nellie Yeah, what do you guys want to do? Through 1979's Alien, directed by Ridley <laughs> Scott. I mean, you guys have been like killing it. I think that, you know, like we obviously get, I wanted to talk about, we get Tom Skerritt, who uh, yesterday I called Chris Christopherson to <laughs> 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 um, he, I was like... It's close, they're close, I get it, I get it. The beard, it's the beard, it's the it manliness, the you know, 70s masculinity, I get it. Yeah. It was definitely that vibe, like he is that kind of guy. Like he's of that era, the handsome guy that people like took on. But I wanted to ask you guys, did you think that Tom Skerritt getting top billing, was that a production choice? Was it a misleading choice so that we could be like, oh, it's actually Ripley that's the main character? Yes. Or it's, it's, is it's, Ripley? It's a combination of, of two things. One, it's it's a, um, a contractual thing, obviously, because titles matter. Uh, but two, it's definitely it was definitely, I think, a marketing thing. Like R- Ridley Scott coming from sort of uh, the music video world, I feel like has uh, an instinct to be like, I need to surprise audience in this way. And like, I feel like that was an active choice to be like, okay, we're gonna put her uh, as not, not the first billing simply because of the fact that we want her to be the surprise main character of the movie. I think Tom Skerritt was signed onto the project first, and I, I, God, I can't remember exactly, but I watched some fucking alien, one of the dozens of alien documentaries. I saw it at my cottage last summer, and there was something about him being kind of signed onto the project first, and having some level of input or like consultation and like how they proceeded. So I don't know if it was something that. What could it have been something that he would have demanded, like as the bigger name? Because I don't think. Sigourney was really known at Yeah, that I'm point, sure she right? was like 29 when they filmed this. Yeah. Was she really? She was 29? Yeah. I thought she was younger. She yeah, looks I amazing. Mean, she doesn't yeah. look 70s 29. That's no. for sure. Uh, but, but listen, like, I, uh, th- honestly, this crew is amazing. There's seven people. Um, you know, we get... Oh, sorry. I also have to say that Yafet Koto... Rest in peace, amazing R. actor. Yes, he he gets an and credit in this, so he yeah. had like also some. Also, I have to say, how did you guess? Original title of this movie: Eighth Passenger. The Eighth Passenger, which is which, which is, is, a great is such name. a good name, and they still call it that in Serbian, actually. Osmi Putnik. They call it in all other countries. In most other countries, they call it uh, Eighth Passenger. 
Um, but again, that doesn't lead to uh, that doesn't necessarily lead to a franchise, right? It doesn't. It doesn't appeal to the simplicity that American audiences need. It's just not. It's not uh, as. I don't think it would brand as well. That I love the title Alien Two. I mean, it maybe it's a little bit on the nose, but I just I really like it. <laughs> oh, I have a I have a fun fact actually about Yafet Koto. How did you guess that I just found? Because I was just looking into him on Wikipedia. You know, he was a candidate for Jean Luc Picard for Star Trek: Next Generation. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. What? Isn't that crazy? You didn't know That's there was going to be a crossover. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, he'd be great. Wow. Mind-blowing choice. He would have been great. Okay, commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo Crew 7, cargo, refinery processing, mineral ore, or whatever. Like, are they... blue-collar... So, there's this, like, Wayland yutani company that's, like, it's the company. Is it Wayland yutani at this point already? Yes, it is. It is. They, but, th- but the beauty of this movie is, like... This movie is so spare in all the right ways. Everything has this archetypal quality. So, like, they work for something called The Company. And they never elaborate. And I fucking love that so much. It's a monopoly. It's a monopoly. You don't even need to know the name. You get it. Like, it's just, it's such a strong symbol of the time they're living in. And their expendability, right? Because there's this, this sense of, like, they're ruled by this hegemonic, you know, corporate power that obviously doesn't give a shit about them. You mean real life? Yeah, IRL. <laughs> the the fact that later uh, Ripley just assumes that they want this thing for its w- weapons program, they never explicitly state that, right? Yeah. We find that out in the lore as the movie goes on, but they, they don't really explicitly state that, I, I don't think. Yeah, that's that's true, and and also as the like the, pro, the one of the major problems that we'll eventually get to is the, the the subtlety of this movie sort of starts getting robbed rather than not necessarily again you know this is in later 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 movies like even movies we might not even end up talking about but like instead of expanding the world in a way where you add new elements to it it's taking elements that already exist and then poorly explaining them and it sucks you know it's like doesn't do anything new with them you know they're basically blue collar grunts yeah and they're they, truck drivers yeah and they're coming back to earth with their minerals i guess yeah so like there i guess space is just like real life is like if we this is exactly what would happen if we got to go to other planets we would mine those other planets for shit that we need yes specifically energy shit something i loved is that the first dialogue that you that you were introduced to the cast through is they're talking about their shares right their shares yeah money uh before we dock I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation has never been on a, an equitable level. Well, you get what you contracted for like everybody else. Like, or, or like how much they're getting based on this contract that they it's did. It's so like 70s union movies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and the fact that Yafet Koda was in fucking blue collar makes it even better. Um, totally. <laughs> Like uh, what's his name? They're all smoking, which is which would yeah. never happen on a spaceship. <laughs> I put I put smoking in space! Exclamation point! It's so funny. Oh, and but, they're eating cornbread. 
Yeah. Shout out to Alien. She didn't like the Aliens <laughs> like the cornbread. Yeah, so they're 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 eating and they're talking about fucking. It's uh, what I I can lo- I love this movie so much. I kept just like being like I love you, I love you, <laughs> you're so beautiful. Um, is just like the way that Ridley Scott creates, it like instantly creates a feeling of the power dynamics, the relationships, and the ensemble is established in like moments of this conversation about their pay. And the way that they joke with each other, and even the fact that they're smoking, even though it's ludicrous to be smoking in a spaceship, the fact that they're just kind of every everyday people, and they're just shooting this shit. They don't, you know, they don't love their jobs. They're just trying to make sure they're trying to make a buck. And I just love yeah. the way that just establishes things so seamlessly and so quickly. Whereas often in ensemble movies, you get a lot of, I, I think a lot of failed ensembles where they work too hard to distinguish people, but they don't put in the work to create the relationships and you just Definitely. don't end up caring about anything or anyone. Also, you get the sense that like everybody knows what the tech does and how to use yeah. it, but not necessarily how it works. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's like they wouldn't, these guys aren't necessarily engineers, like they're engineers in the sense that like they're mining, they're like going to a place, but they don't necessarily, they're not like people who, they can kind of fix things on the spaceship, but it's not like they're like super geniuses, I guess. They're not like, everybody's not like... Yeah, they're just like regular people, you know? Yeah, they're like, they have like basic mechanical knowledge and they have enough knowledge to to service the spaceship when it's, you know, got a, you know, issue with it. But I love the amount of time spent just talking mundanely about shit going wrong with the spaceship and being frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like they're bored and they're pissed off and they're hot and like, you know, they're and there is a sense of there is just a, an absence of like highly specialized elite knowledge and i think that that is brilliant that also helps i think create that sense of timelessness and human like humanness in the movie even though it's taking place in the future and in space yeah yeah exactly and like it's totally emblematic of movies from the 70s in fact it kind of denotes that transfer from 1979 to 1980 where things got just like a little amped up right like this is a type of movie making that's rooted in a kind of like grittiness and reality that like you just don't like that's why alex and i are always obsessed with like 70s movies we always talk about like how 70s movies end and like how casual they are and how like there's like just this sense of like everything feels like it's real people in a real place. Yeah, and also the, the to contrast the grandiosity of this uh, like space, the spaceship, the characters, the alien, uh, science fiction in general, you have to sort of establish things in a way that's much more neutral rather than hitting you over the head with it constantly. Like, camera movement, like fast editing, like none of that exists in this. It's all just, let's look at the spectacle of what's happening and set the tone of reality based on stillness rather than like uh, fast pace uh, intensity. You know what I mean? Everything is very drawn out. Everything is very casual. The first, the alien appears, what, like 30 minutes in the movie? Like the first incarnation of the alien, not even the, the like scariest part. Like we don't get a jump scare until like, I think like 
30 minutes the into the hugger. movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we get jazz hands <laughs> eventually. <laughs> um, but, okay, okay. So, like, we, the crew gets woken up from their, like, Michael Jackson hyperbaric chamber sleeping pods. <laughs> and they, Hello? I'll call you back. I can be Agent M. They're all in their tidy whities They look like children waking up from a nap. They're, they look, they, you can really feel like these are fleshy little humans and they're fragile and you're going to see them all die. Yeah, and also they're, they're in pods. They're in mother. Sisters, my new mother, mother. They're being yes. sort of birthed at the beginning of the movie. Like all that totally. kind of imagery is, is sort of like... Embryonic, yeah. Embryo yeah, exactly. It's all set up right at the beginning of the movie. Guys, we haven't, it's been like half an hour and we still haven't mentioned Harry Dean Stanton. Who's in this fucking movie? Oh, yeah. Who's amazing? All the bees and the cigarette trees, the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountain. <laughs> I, I like, oh my God. I, right. I was so excited about Harry Dean. I know there's already so many amazing, iconic people, but we gotta single out Harry Dean. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Ian Holm also, The Hobbit. Oh my God, Ian Holm. The Hobbit? That's yeah. why he is a robot. He is the first and only robot because yeah. he's a Hobbit robot. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and one of the scarier robots, robots I've ever encountered. Uh, just so understated and just like mildly malfunctioning in these unnerving, inhuman ways. Like, I just love the way they allude to his artificiality uh, before we're ever told outright that he's a robot. You know, like when he jogs on the spot really fast and you're like, what's that about? Like, what the what? what? Yeah, I love, <laughs> oh, I love I love that. that. I love that, Those, too. That's such a 70s movie, um, 70s movie moment. Totally. Yeah. Somebody just does like a random thing. And like people do stuff like this. They psych yeah, themselves, psych themselves, themselves out. Up. Yeah. Uh, one of my I think I think also uh, I, I think his performance uh, might be my favorite performance just because of the fact that like, man, every or he, not even necessarily uh, performance, but his performance as in terms of directed performance, he's always in the corner. And if you all and, and whenever he's looking at Ripley, he just hates her. He just yeah. hates her. Like throughout the entire he hates movie, her the whole the, the time, whole he hates time her. he's just like, this person is gonna fuck up my mission. My yes. mission is to get yes. this thing <laughs> back to Earth, and she's fucking it up immediately. Yes, totally. And You're totally like, right. The entire time, he's just giving her cross eye, or yeah. like like sneering at her, or like like being like like very passive aggressive throughout the yes. entire movie. It's oh my incredible. god. Yes, I wrote like Ash is toxic masculinity because every, <laughs> every fucking time she's like, can you tell me about that? He's like, don't touch that. Yeah. He's like, he gives her these fucking dismissive, condescending answers, like totally. two word answers. And you, you can just, yeah, feel it oozing out of him, this fucking hatred of Ripley. Totally. And we get this moment later on where he actually creates a phallus to stuff stuff down her mouth totally, totally. which is like plays with a backdrop the, of fucking porn do you notice all the fucking yeah, yeah. yeah. totally totally yeah uh, it's really interesting we'll get more into that back to the the uh harry dean harry dean's performance 
uh, is only matched by Yafed Koto's performance and their relationship with each other because they seem like such good friends where it's like synergy. They seem like dudes who are like, oh man, when I get to hang out with this, when I get to go on a crew with this guy, it's the best. Totally. You know? And I, I've worked with people like this. Yeah, totally. Where it's like, oh my God, this shitty thing I have to work on is only made better by him, you know? <laughs> it's also like this perfect thing in like the creation of the ensemble that you have like individuals, but you also have these like relationships and they're such a buddy, like they're such a duo kind of element and they're they're the comic relief and they provide this they're they're like kind of bottom of the rung. Like they're more the sort of the mechanics of the the vessel, right? Like they're the lower yeah. ranking guys and I just think yeah, they're kind of the foundation of the ensemble. And sometimes they do have these moments where they're like referring to them as the lower decks, in, in, so to speak. Like yes. they kind of say like, oh, you guys do this or like there's a singling out. But also they they have moments with the cool handshake that they do. Like it's just definitely there's a like camaraderie among them that's like particular. For on the sure. Crew. For sure. They are headed towards home. Uh, after a mission and they get a beacon from a planet that they don't know like what's up how it works what's going on uh but because the mission is contingent if if they if they get a beacon that includes something of life on a planet if they don't go to it they don't get their money the contract isn't fulfilled that's another great additional layer of sort of a comp- a major company creating a, an expendable crew but also m- almost blackmailing that crew into doing work for them at, at like as contractors and just not being able to don't if they come back empty-handed then they're fucked either way you know so they have they're forced to go down onto this dangerous planet and and you know it's anyway i just wanted to mention that's where we're at, at in terms of the plot well i i wanted to add to that because i was like i'm not 100 percent sure that that is the policy because ash is the one who basically says that they would forfeit their shares if they don't right, right. go forward but then later ripley says that they're not they can't legally be forfeited and it just made me wonder if that was sort of um, oh. something like part of Ash's uh, like a manipulation? kind of strategy. Yeah, manipulation. I can't remember if he's Could supported be. by Dallas or not. But the, this fucking movie is about capitalism. And it is about the horrific, yes. but on a very intimate level, right? And we get yeah. this like super intimate view into the exploitative nature of hegemonic capitalism and the fact that they are contractually obligated to go check out a beacon and ultimately endanger their lives and 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 then of course it's intended that they are endangered it's not just if you happen to be endangered it's it's that they're actually being directed there to be exposed to the alien yeah and that actually dovetails perfectly into how also you know the assumption that this alien is going to be used for another weapons program which is like an entirely different 
thing presumably than the thing than the cargo that they're carrying so this is kind of like an umbrella corporation type like monopoly that has like it's like the walmart of the future right yes and and that all all uh you know the company is just about acquiring resources and assets and the alien is a fucking resource so i'm swearing a lot no that's (laughs) one thing that i wanted to ask you guys uh because like I never seem to get a uh, like a clear answer from the movie itself, but th- one interesting thing I kept thinking about: Have people discovered aliens in this world? I have an answer to that. Possibly. Please, okay, let's okay, hear. Okay, because when they get the beacon and Dallas is letting them know, Ripley is asking questions about the beacon. Like, you know, is it an SOS? He says, "I don't know." Human? She asks. He says, I don't know. But it's asked in this way where it's sort of casual. Yeah. Like, yeah. like oh, there could, could be, be in, other Yeah, other and it species. wouldn't be, if it was alien, it'd be like, oh, okay, cool, it's alien. You know, like th- that was the vibe that I got. And even when they're down in the derelict spacecraft and they see the fossilized alien, it's not they're li- like they're like, what the fuck is that? You yeah, know, they're like, totally. looks like some kind of alien. <laughs> <You know? laughs> totally. totally. But they're just like, oh, it's uh, it's just uh, some type of alien fossilized. Type of alien, yeah. But I-, I was going to ask. I was going to ask you guys, that's the space jockey that you're referring to. Yes. Was was the yeah. space jockey ever referred to as the space jockey by anyone outside of like just like fans or no, it's a it's a thing that was written into lore. Fans didn't actually name it Space Jockey. It's it's named Space Jockey within the the like confines of the the movie, like the writing of the movie and the development of the movie. And then that got out into and then that was made into the lore of the movie, which is cool. That's super cool. Hey, also did you think that Pulling the chip out from the wall and putting it into the wall when Tom Skerritt does that. Did you think that was like uh, a nod to 2001 Space Odyssey? Like Every, the chips? Everything is. Everything a nod feels to like a nod. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. So they end up getting uh, like getting to the planet where something goes wrong with the hull and shit gets fucked up on the spaceship. Uh, but because they're only 2,000 meters, nice, very nice, by the way. I love the, the meters and use of kilometers. <laughs> they switch to metric. Yeah. Um, but uh, because they're only 2,000 meters from wherever the signal came from, Dallas, Lambert, Dallas. Kane. Kane and Lambert? No. Yeah. 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 Um, Dallas, Kane, and Lambert. Yeah. All go down to the planet uh, that's like very, very reminiscent of, of, I think, one of the moons of Jupiter, which is why I think they established a, like a ringed planet as well. Oh. Um, cool. But uh, it's like super windy and super. Oh, the oh, reason yeah. I say that is because apparently one of Jupiter's moons might have life. Which is cool. Oh. Like life is in like very basic life, like microbes, microbes and, stuff, yeah. and stuff. But it's cool because it's it's like this is like that, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, they go off and they go searching for the beacon. And I feel like when they get to the spaceship, the grandiosity of like seeing a mum a sort of mummified relic of a different time is so cool. That's such an interesting idea. Yeah. 
You know, when when you behold the derelict spacecraft from afar and you see their little like light, their little tiny sort of backpack lights in the distance moving towards it and they create that scale, it's just it is so fucking awesome. It's so awesome. And I, I just like whenever I see it, I'm just like Geiger, you know. <laughs> uh, he 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 is responsible for like the the power of this movie, you know, like the, without I mean Geiger just he creates a truly alien aesthetic that is, he used like animal parts. I put animal parts in you. What? And some of the creation of the the alien costume and even the face hugger was made yeah. out of like, like sheep intestine or something. And that's why Gross. it looks so real because yeah. it has organic the biological, completely. yeah, organic uh, elements to it. Yeah, uh, and I, I just want to note that, like, Kane is always the one to initiate and to, like, volunteer. And he's, like, the first one to wake up. He's the one who says, like, I want to go down there. And uh, there's just something about him as being that he's such a an explorer to me. Yeah. Like, he's very much an adventurous spirit. And I always think, like, Kane goes too far in the direction of exploration and curiosity. And he doesn't have those instincts of caution or concern and that ends up causing him to get impregnated you know if you're not careful fellas you might get pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because when they, they go to like see the space jockey they're exploring around and then they send Kane down into tunnels where yeah. he sees the leathery eggs uh, and the funny thing was, is that this, I think this is the first time I ever noticed the sort of force field. That, yeah, that's the force yeah, field. The, the vapor. The yeah, force field. It has a sound to it when you break it. Yeah. Uh, and it's really cool because there is this sort of understanding, speaking of organic, there is this sort of synthetic nature to that, where it's like they're being housed in a way that's, that is almost very alien or, or they're, they're almost like a different basis they're not like a carbon-based life form they're like a different life form well the, okay so can i just say my original reading of the movie before all of the prometheus shit came out my original reading of the movie was that when kane goes through the force field he triggers this like egg and i thought that he triggers the eggs and i thought that these eggs were developed by the space jockeys as a weapon for themselves and that they had this for but that they it just took over them right yeah. and that they had this force oh. field to kind of protect sure that makes sense that was, like i mean that's that that uh that's very prescient to what prometheus ends up uh proposing which is right. that the aliens are a product of the uh, like in a different way, but I I think that's a really smart interpretation because it does feel like they're being contained like a bioweapon. Yeah, for and sure. And the force, yeah. you know, and then when you break the force field, they kind of are are they're, they were like lying in dormancy, and that kind of awakens them. And we also didn't mention that the space jockey's chest was burst. Yes, right. Yeah, that the, the space jockey for me when I was a kid. Because, of course, I had an 80s dad who let me see the uh, aliens when I was eight. Uh, we didn't talk about this, what, what, what the, the, how this movie, these movies, the lore that they, uh, the, the mythological 
quality they, you know, have in our own lives. But I, I saw aliens when I was eight, and I, I saw alien later. Thirsty for more. Uh, yeah, so my of course. Yeah. We, we yeah. This, yeah, yeah, our and experience then, as well. Forevermore, I would occasionally have nightmares where aliens were crawling through the air ducts of my home, and I had to rescue my family from from them by quietly sneaking them out of the house, tying bedsheets together and sneaking out of my brother's window. I mean, I had a lot of like alien escape nightmares as a child because I watched uh, these films. But also in that way, I think I like, I like trauma bonded with the movies. So they comfort me. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> How old well, were you guys like, when you saw Alien? Aliens? I, oh, I must have been like six, I think. Six oh, or no. seven. I was probably around four or five. That's little. Yeah, we were quite young. Like, <laughs> we were, we were like, way too young. Did you project into Newt? Like, were you like, that's me? I always thought of myself as either Hudson or Hicks. Yeah, those were my 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 people too. Um, where it was just like... But also Ripley. Yeah, mo- actually, I would say probably mostly Ripley. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Mostly but like, Ripley, but like in terms of like being a like a boy it, as a young boy, you were like, well, I can't be a girl because she's a girl, right? Yeah. That's um, definitely the conditioning that we had, yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was like, I'm the little girl whose family is dead, and I'm hiding in a little nest that I've created <laughs> in the, the air filtration system. <laughs> you know what? Kid proxies never worked on me. I, I or maybe they did, but I just yeah. I never thought of myself as the kid in a movie no in fact in fact to, to compare it to like last action hero this is a movie this is a movie i was always schwartzy in last action hero <laughs> I was never the of course kid. like what i'm gonna be this annoying kid i'm already and I was always van damme's cameo yeah exactly. yeah there you go um, um i just want to say the eggs like i was like god props to the fucking what is it? Art direction? What what do you call it? The set it design? Must, or it's props. Prop, props it's props. production design. It's, yeah, it's set the design. design. Like it or... looks so good. That semi-translucent, so good. organic, like sweating, and there's the, the light inside. But but with the dust on it, like yeah. the, the sort of like it's been there for a really long time. And did you guys notice that the dripping of the eggs was upside Drip down? Up. Reverse motion? No, yeah. it's not reverse motion. It's not. Oh, it's upside motion. down. It's, upside, it's literally upside down, which is great. Amazing. Yeah, so cool. guys, did you notice how? Like, okay, I wanted to ask you a question. Did you think that the walls of the inside of the spaceship? were designed that way by the space jockey people or did you think that they had been cocooned subsequently by the aliens and they were made into these like kind of pattern geigery patterns i think they i think i always think that they're like nests okay well they're just too angular to be alien secreted resin coated i mean the disc jo- the deck the disc jockey <laughs> that's, that's, that's how i'm gonna refer to him yeah like in that room it's all very um sort of angular and symmetrical and it, it it's interesting because the whole movie has these different qualities of 
biomechanical aesthetic and some are like more on the mechanical synthetic end and then you have it on the other end is like these creatures that have these sort of ridges and uh that they look mechanical too but in a more organic way so it's sort of hard to tell sometimes what is made by the alien but i i guess when i see that it doesn't look alien like to me not not sorry xenomorph like yeah uh, for sure but I don't think I thought too hard about it. And I think Prometheus obviously has fucked me up because now I I yeah. know, even though you I kind know of what deny that reality, I refuse that reality. <laughs> yeah, I as well. well. Like I don't really care. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get but, to um, that anyway. So Kane seemed the, fine. Kane seemed fine. <laughs> he trips the magical blue mist, the Terminator blue lightning <laughs> mist, and he you know, like looks at a sweaty egg, and it does the like classic classic flowering. Oh, yes. I love how it like the fingers come out, and then yeah. it, inside it's literally just meat. Yeah, like it's just like misty, gooey. Like everything in this movie is like. Bodies and yes. secretion and grotesque, like long nails and like slithering, slimy, secrety, snaking. Yeah, it's just like it's wild, but it's it's so sexual too. Yeah, yeah. it's so weirdly like grotesque, like it's like deep. Um, regions of the mind of just like dark perversions. I think. Well, yes, I mean, and, and if you go to the fact that Kane gets this. So the face hugger attacks him, latches on, and, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that face hugger, you know, and as we discover as the movies progress as well, and we get more intimate with what, what the alien anatomy looks like, a face hugger has like a vaginal mouth opening yeah. out of which yeah. this phall phallic tube comes out and penetrates into the body to impregnate the host. So it has it's this, like everything. This to me is one of the most important parts of the movie when they so Ash is monitoring from his little like nest in the the ship and he's of course fully aware of what's going on and and Ripley even says like I don't think the signal that we're getting from mother is an SOS. I think it's a warning. And he yeah. said, well, yeah, I love that part. I love that part. And I love this whole segment just because of the fact yeah. that like there's a constant back and forth between Ash and the rest of the crew that's on the actual planet. And they feel a, a sense of sort of like calm with him. But as it cuts to Ian Holm, it, like in the actual ship, he's shot in the most menacing way. He's always in shadow. He's always sort of like a little bit on edge in a way that's like something doesn't seem normal. And then contrast that with Ripley, who's like fairly calm, but always cautious. And then when, when they get back to the ship and she's like, we have to quarantine them. Like, that's just protocol. Like, it just yeah. makes sense. And yeah. she's just undermined constantly. And it's like, yeah. this is the only smart person on this ship. She's the only person who's just, like, dedicated to following the rules in the best way possible in order for everyone to survive. And, like, it's always... It's Tom Skerritt being like, we have to get him in. And it's Ash that eventually is just like, fuck it, I'm opening the door because I have yeah. my own ulterior motive. 
Yeah, he completely undermines her authority, even though when when Dallas and uh, uh, Kane are off the ship, she's the first in command. Exactly. And what I like about Ripley and why I think it's such an important moment is that she's she is she's sticking to protocol. She's being cautious. She has integrity. She doesn't she doesn't back down from to, from taking a stand for what's right and what's smart. And you know, uh, people are pushing back on her, and she's saying no. Yeah. And like you know. If they had followed that whole quarantine procedure, things would have turned out a lot different. But the fact that, you know, Ash completely undermines her, it's just a very important moment to me. Definitely. Where in, in, because up until this point, we don't know who the hero is. Exactly. We just yeah, know they're true. just a fucking ragtag group of people. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Doing the best they can. And then you, then these small moments distinguish her from the rest of them as someone who is not just instinctually intact but but smart and and uh and strategic and it's just like a moment in which she's defined uh as i think a leader she also just has the best fucking on fleek hair in the whole movie amongst everybody um but also Oh, and sorry. Lambert goes, just let him inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Lambert's voice to me, like, okay, I, I, we're going to get to it, but th- there's this one performance like that she just, um, there's this line where she says, um, it just blow up the ship or something. Like she like say, she says like they just want to blow up the ship and like Ripley refuses her idea. But when she says that, it's like so vulnerable and she's so hysterically crying in the yeah. moment that yeah. I just like, I related to it so much and I got emotional on this watching. Like I actually like welled up. She's the most like raw nerd out of all of them and like it it really does it balances out a lot of the how can I say this it balances out a lot of the casualness of everybody because everybody seems a little too not 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 as a criticism just like Mm -hmm. everybody seems worried in a very reserved kind of way and it feels like having a person that is kind of hysterical there allows yeah. for this the like fine maybe the audience can make fun of her but everybody would be like that like what oh, the yeah. fuck totally you know yeah. like because to me being a dallas is is being like being checked out and not you know having the a sense of like engaging with the problem or engaging with your role like that is really fucking stupid where lambert is like i don't want to go to this fucking sh- spaceship I don't want, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I want us to leave the spaceship because I'm not comfortable. And like, she is constantly raising a red flag, raising a red yeah, flag. Totally, this doesn't feel totally. right. This, so she's like the emotional center of the cast. And, um, you know, where Dallas is sort of checked out and just sort of numb. She yeah. feels it all. I love Lambert. Uh, when, when it comes to this scene, what two of my favorite subtleties of the, like peeling the helmet off Kane is the tying the 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 neck being squeezed like thinking that something is going to happen to the host so I'm going to kill the host to get away rather than it's just a great great detail that's and- interesting that you say that because I didn't think it was um, choking like to like kill the host if it can't get away I thought it was more like no okay I'm going to snug tighter now because I don't want to be removed, removed off from of yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I I think that's true. But at the same time, I will say 
that there there is uh, an idea of like an embryonic state and if i can if i kill the host i can save the embryo and leave rather than and infect something else that's around you know what i mean that's how i always thought about it but also the, the, something that i only noticed this time was that fucking ash isn't wearing a shirt under his smock i noticed that too I it's noticed like that cute before. little hairy back <laughs> yeah it's just like so funny they try and cut off the alien and when how they refer to it as, as under the knuckle i was like no that's so gross <laughs> that's so disgusting I don't love use under that the word the digits yeah i want to say something about uh the face hugger because like when you're threatened and you're just like a basically an oversized hand with a vagina and on the palm with and a, a vagina like, penis <laughs> yeah a vagina penis like what are your weapons except like what's your move right it's kind of like a poker game and they're like oh it's like you're gonna cut me well i'm gonna fucking kill your host like that's its only bargaining chip yeah, and it that's has true. one function and the function is like i gotta impregnate this host because like that's what my primal instincts tell me and that's how i like you know progress my species so i always feel like it's almost like a your move Move. Yeah, you're gonna fuck with me. I'm gonna kill your friend. Yeah, totally. Did you guys ever think that face huggers look like common house spiders, like those yes, yellow the ones? Yellow ones? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They and totally they, they, they're they're very like pretty passive and pretty docile, and you can kind of pick them up and just like throw them away. They won't bite you necessarily. Whereas <laughs> I'm never gonna do that. I believe you. But I've never, I'm never touched gonna a spider on purpose, dude. <laughs> I, I have, and, and it's fine. What, what do They're you okay. pick it up by? How do you not, like, destroy it when you pick it up? I, I slide. I now just take a cup and slide paper. Oh, yeah, I've done, the, I've done the cup slide. Yeah. The paper move is definitely the, the galaxy brain getting rid of a spider. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and then, uh, so basically, he cuts under the knuckle, and they find out that, that acid is for blood. Uh, the acid is for blood. Acid is, acid is for acid blood. Is for blood. And every, everybody goes downstairs to like the lower, lower deck so they see how it's like melted oh. through. And then he's like, give me your pen, which is like, why do you need a pen in space? <laughs> I just needed to confirm this is acid. <laughs> <laughs> he sticks it in and it's just like, oh yeah, it's burnt. And it's like, you didn't see like that. The only thing was- I, that could do this is molecular acid. But I just wanted to say one thing. I always like the touch of like when it goes through one of the decks it has like a piece of shoe that it's melted yeah yes. i yes. love that, a space yeah, that boot. little detail it's a space boot. <laughs> yeah yeah and then when, yeah. when in the next scene when yafet and and uh harry dean are trying to fix the the ship they're basically trying to fix it like a car where it's like is it starting is it start you know what i mean like i like that kind of that kind of stuff because it's like again it reflects that that overall energy of like, these guys are mechanics. They're truck drivers, you know, they're low rung. Absolutely. And that's when you're first introduced to like the, the the element of steam. And, And wetness. And 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 like like c- condensation happening where when Harry Dean looks up and he like p- opens his mouth, it's like, why are you letting this water in your mouth, dude? I know I this thought that too. Gross, man. Okay, but I can't wait till you talk about that scene in depth because that scene is like just one of the most iconic scenes. What happens next is what the fucking face hugger falls off. Right? Yeah, the face hugger falls off. But like, what's what's interesting about this movie in contrast to 
more of the rest of them which focus on a lot of action uh, and I think this got this this goes back to your earlier point Leila of, of it mirroring 2001 the sort of the camera doesn't move in this movie it drifts in this movie it's very much like like the orientation of the audience is like sort of like flowing into the spaceship almost like the camera is is uh like like drifting yes, yes. in space and like it's great and like science fiction in general i feel like very much lacks this and i noticed it actually we talked we were talking Malik and i we were talking about the movie possessor recently and i feel like possessor does this thing too where it's like it allows for for a dreamlike drift through the movie rather than yeah. like mashing you in the face i mean it, that movie mashes a lot in your face it but like sure it, does. Also, it also <laughs> tend it, it also in the quieter moments of like seeing things pull apart and like very intimate things happening to two different characters in a very non-sexual sexual way this movie does this very well in this next scene where where ripley is confronting Ash, the camera very much drifts into the scene, and then she she's like basically asking, confronting Ian Holm about what the hell happened and like yeah. why why she she did this, and he's so not just passive aggressive, but like you can tell that he's really angry with her, and you can tell that he doesn't want to reveal his hand, but also that he's kind of going a little crazy now, and the humanness of him is the crazy part if you notice it's the yeah. more like the the more accentuated parts rather than the like subdued robotic parts and that's why i love this scene this franchise does ai so well and yes and relates a level of humanity through functionality and malfunction as well like you know agenda and emotion and um, you know, fixation. And do you notice that in the scene where she confronts him as you, and I love the way it drifts. Cause I mean, you're like, what, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Why are exactly. we in? And then you kind of discover it's Ash. He's by himself. And what is he looking at on the screen? It looks like an alien embryo. It nice. looks to me nice. like he's looking at a, an X-ray or an ultrasound of Kane's body. Yeah. But she says, that's interesting. She says, that's very pretty. What are we looking at? And he says, I don't know. Yeah. And I think the fuck he does know. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and I love that scene too, because I, that's also me being like, yes, Ripley, because it's just, it makes me think of like moments like in professional life as a woman, sometimes when you're trying to like talk to a, a man, uh, I know that it, this is a, an experience that I feel like a lot of women can relate to, just trying to get answers about something and being met with this level of like dismissive, uh, condescending hostility, especially in a technical sense. And the way that she just combats it and persists in her questioning, it's like a real masterclass in how to deal with assholes, you know? And I love it. Absolutely. 
It, it's it's great because because in that in the next scene when when Kane's uh, like uh, face hugger falls off and they're trying to find it uh, and then the puppet just falls from the the like rubber dummy. Oh, I fall, love falls, that puppet and, and falling. She, and she she grabs it and you can tell that she's doing a lot of the work to like move it because it's not <laughs> moving. But it's, it's yeah. just jelly. In in the next scene, it, it goes to your point, Layla. Number one. The brilliance of, of, I don't know if he was directed this way or if he made the choice this way. Ian Holm never looks at Sigourney Weaver in that scene. And anytime she speaks, he just constantly rolls his eyes because she's yeah. like, because she's right though. Like she's just right. Like, like, I don't mean that in like a moral sense. She's just correct no. in the situation. Like, dude. Yeah, like, he's deceiving everybody. Like he's hiding things. Like we don't have masks on. We don't like, we're not doing anything by protocol. And you're just like touching this thing that melted acid through our thing like what the fuck man and he's the science officer <laughs> can i also just say the touch of what did you guys make of the touch of tom scarrett protecting ripley oh yeah that was yeah, great yeah, i yeah. love that was, that I liked was amazing it. yeah just because it is that kind of like number one it, it still alludes to to the the idea of you know condescendingly protecting women men protecting women but also it still sets us up for the the pivot into the sort of psycho pivot into somebody else becoming the main character of the movie i agree and i also always just felt that it was implying in a quiet way that there was something between them definitely yeah, I, definitely. I always thought that too because it's so intimate. It's not it a protection, a coworker protection. It's it is like very a very intimate. intimate protection. It's not just him protecting her, but her hand is wrapped around his chest. And I like that's so it's like it's like, oh, there's an intimacy there. There's a, a pre-existing depth of relationship. And uh, and yeah, we are kind of preparing uh, it's. I mean, this movie is all about the becoming of Ripley. You know, yeah. it's yes. really a movie yeah. about the making of. I don't even like. I don't love the word hero, um, but you know, it's it's how she she, she kind of graduates to a level of totally. actualization as a protagonist, and um, yeah, it is it is a great moment preceding all of the coming conflict and 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 turmoil and strife through which she becomes the Ripley that we love. Why I'm okay with with the term hero, uh, just in this context, is simply because of the fact that like there's like a very rare breed of like not just sellable, and I mean this in a marketing way and in a sort of uh, movie context of like this person sells me on this. Uh, role that you're playing is that there's so few action female leads that like I'm very comfortable being like she is like one of the if not in the upper echelons of action stars yeah, um, yeah. like like I would say I would say that like I'm much more forgiving to that term 
just like like I get your your like sort of reservations about it um, just because of the fact that like it is sort of like in the context it is kind of just like an origin story into a hero but like I would say that like just as as like it, it exists now like I'm really gl- happy and glad and proud to just be like yeah fuck yeah Ripley is one of my favorite action heroes you know what I mean totally I mean if, if the thing is like I think the thing that t- the term hero is used so often to describe inhuman uh invulnerable you know uh that's true for for women hypersexualized um the sexy born yesterday often accompanying that or a badass emotionally invulnerable and physically and to me and, and maybe those are false heroes and ripley to me what defines her um what makes her so fucking cool as a hero is that she's afraid and she's just a human being. She's a know? human yeah. being, yeah. She's a, she's a person in adversity who has to rise to the occasion of a horrific context. Also, how did you guess? How did you guess? Uh, uh, like, we all know this, but I think it's just the standard thing. Ripley was supposed to be played by a man. Yeah. Um, originally. And then uh, what a great idea to just write a character as a man and then just swap out the genders and be like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, Layla and I... Le- Lil and I talked about this and it's like, it's like, you know, why it succeeded being written as a quote man, man. is like, really it just, Three they wrote a character, character as a person, as yeah, a human exactly, being. exactly, exactly. When someone writes a man, they endow that character with a basic humanity that women also have, but are not necessarily portrayed to have. So... Yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I'd be remiss not to say that the parallels with Sarah Connor are really clear, right? Because we also, with Sarah Connor in the first Terminator, we get kind of that hero in the making. And, you know, this is a scared person who's a real person who comes into her own bravery and her own whatever. But yeah, like we talked a lot about that when we were doing those movies as well. And and I just think that, you know, it's these, it's really emblematic of a certain generation, like our generation, clearly that we had these like, um, you know, at least these two sort of um, women roles that were, you know, like that iconic and that like noteworthy, like the two of my favorite movies and two of my favorite franchises contain you know like this like powerful woman lead right which is you know like something that like is just basically uh a netflix topic now and 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 it's like sorry go ahead ahead. i was just gonna say like it's a netflix topic now and it's kind of like sometimes just feels shoehorned in and feels like it leans heavily on the tropes that you were mentioning earlier layla like the like badass woman the sexy born yesterday like we get to have these uh, women leads or women characters but they have to have this other quality and these movies really you know gave us the gift of not having that well and i think there's something really interesting about you know Sarah Connor, and we 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 get this sense of Ripley, especially in the in the second movie. But you know, uh, maybe whispers of it in the first is that they're both mothers. Yes, and that's not often a role that is considered, uh, you know, um, her- heroic or you know, or badass. A lot of it, or badass. It's it's a badass in a way that's supposed to be quiet and understated. And, and unacknowledged, you know, and and the fact that Ripley, even the fact that she's like concerned about the cat and needs to rescue the cat gives me like a sense of that she she is fucking competent and badass and tough and a survivor, but she also thinks about others and she she has that kind of instinct to protect. 
And I, and I love that that is like a fundamental part of who she is and part of what makes her so fucking, uh, so fucking tough is that she's also soft, you know? Totally. There, there's a thing that I wanted to mention actually that, that, that is, that I just thought about, uh, while I was watching the movie, uh, that, that, you mentioned when 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 the the cat comes in initially when I watched the movie I kind of felt like it would go it went against her character to rescue the cat given how practical she was at the beginning of the movie but what's interesting is throughout the movie her arc seems to be embracing an emotionality rather than taking away more of it do you know what I mean uh, so yeah. like in, if I feel like beginning Ripley would be like, well, fuck the cat. Uh, and the ending, Ripley, is like, oh no, all of my friends are dead. And yeah, yeah, yeah. this is brutal. Yeah. And I need I need something to remain human in this moment. So I'm going to save the cat. So it sort of justified it in a way that it never had before. And the second thing that I wanted to mention is that our culture seems to be becoming, in terms of like women in, in film and women as, as like three-dimensional characters, or at least as action stars, seems to be going into like a very reductive phase of, we have to make all women just magical, amazing people all the time, every single time, throughout every frame of a movie, or else it's just really offensive and it sucks and we, we're making, women terrible otherwise, you know what I mean? And it's like, I mentioned this movie often because it's it's sort of a, a peak version of that, which is Ghostbusters, the remake. Part of the reason that movie doesn't really work is that the characters stay the same throughout the entire movie. They're competent at the beginning and they're, they're, they're competent at the beginning, but everybody doesn't believe in them, but then they just don't change throughout the movie. They're just competent throughout the movie and that's it. You know what I mean? The, they have no arc through the movie. Whereas yeah. there's a very clear arc for Ripley. She she begins in one phase and ends in another. And like you get to know this person and she has struggles and is a person rather than just being this peak ubermensch of a human throughout the movie and there's nothing yeah. wrong you know it's the same thing with sarah connor yeah i, I mean that I, I i didn't see the ghostbusters remake i just didn't want to and it's not because like i i care even that much about the original ghostbusters i just kind of felt like it hurts me sometimes it bothers me when um when people are trying to take strides forward in, in the name of equality by remaking something to balance the genders of a cast rather than just creating something new thank that, you uh, yes. yeah and that and, and i also like i you know i have so many issues with movies like wonder woman i i i i hated it um because it's this like sublime um like i know she is a goddess so i get it but like she's you know she's wearing this like outfit and she's beautiful and she's statuesque and she's walking through the, like a field of war you know very like i don't need that invulnerable cute and sexy kind of heroine i want a, i want a person like i want a human being and yeah, exactly. i want to see them grow and i want to see them have flaws and i want to see them uh you know struggle and face adversity and i don't need that and i don't feel it's actually progress it feels performative and 
it feels yep. self-congratulatory. Oh man, the fucking meat inside the fucking alien. Oh, dude, it's so gross. It's like fucking so gross. Um, <laughs> the, the jelly and like the fact that it's real too. It's like gross, dude. It um, makes it amazing it that it's it real. It makes it so good, yeah. Um, oh, dude. Wanda, like honestly, <laughs> dude, I Wanda. love fucking. I, I he was so good at this movie, dude. I was just watching uh, a review on on the Twin Peaks, and like they showed Harry Dean Stanton as like an old man, and like man, he's so good on that show, and like man, that show. I gotta rewatch that show too. Um, okay, so so like they're they're they've finally rebuilt the ship and they're so like I love this scene as just like a, a, a classic sort of letting up like the sort of alleviating some of the gas of like being like super afraid and super intense about like Kane getting like face hugged and like everybody you can sort of take a break in this part of the movie and it's mm. great um, and you get a little more dialogue between everybody and like what harry dean is fucking rolled a cigarette and smoking and like <laughs> they're they're like he's like right uh and then because like everything fucking uh yafet says he just goes right to and then yeah, like yeah, lambert yeah. is like that's all you say you always say right to him and he's like you right. just say, you just say right. ripley, ripley says it ripley calls oh, him ripley, ripley yeah. says it. i just wanted yeah. to do lambert's voice yeah, uh, <laughs> doesn't, but then, but then Ash is like, "Guys, you gotta come down here. Something awesome has happened." <laughs> Dude, Ash totally is like, "It'd probably be better if you just came down." It's like he's just so like mysterious every time. Can I just say that, like, I I recently watched uh, a movie with John Hurt called Ten Rillington Street, something like that. Yeah. And he plays like a real true blue collar British guy in it. And this guy has got so much fucking range. But like the beauty of how he can play fear and confusion within like a split second, just a <sighs> minor twitch in face. Incredible. He's such an incredible actor. He's just like amazing and like it's 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 kind of interesting that this movie focuses in so much on it really is about all of their performances but he kind of gets the least screen time yeah. but he does have such an impact like yeah. the emotionality of him and the vulnerability exactly. is really remarkable Absolutely. One of the things that I think is sort of foreshadowed in the beginning when he wakes up is his sort of coming out of hibernation is focused on the longest. And uh -huh. you just sort of see like small coughs and like him picking his body up. He's like, there's the vulnerability to like his body that like yeah. I think is presented to us, totally. which I, I loved. Totally. I, it, it, it really like sends home the fact when he's like, just like, you know, exploded, right? Yeah. yeah. And in the, yeah. and then in this scene, uh, like he, like the joy that they all feel from getting off this planet, and the joy that he feels from being like, you know, oh, I've got this gross thing off my face. From Kane seemed fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everybody's smoking and drinking beers. <laughs> and also, some of it, honestly, I gotta say, some of this food just looks like like regular Chinese food that I was it, like, 100%. Man, it's definitely the, chow mein. Yeah, I was like, man, that looks kind of good. And everybody's like complaining it, yeah. about that food. 
Um, but then they do that thing where, like, Kane, when he does that, like, like... Uh, and oh it's my just god, like, it's the, amazing. He, his performance just for that scene is incredible. Oh, oh and when they god. do that, that horrible Oh my god! Oh god! Uh, when they do that horrible <laughs> 70s thing where it's like, let's shove a thing into his mouth so he doesn't swallow his tongue, it's like, no, don't do that at all. That is not the way to do that. I guess they think he's having a seizure, right? And they right. don't want him yeah, to, right. like, bite his tongue? Bite his tongue, Isn't I guess. That? But apparently you're not supposed to do that at all. When I watched that, I remember as a kid being really confused by this. Really confused. Being like, why did they want to put a, like, a spoon in spoon his mouth? handle. <laughs> uh, also, uh, the obligatory, everybody didn't know that this was going to happen in this scene. Okay, so is that not true? true. I don't think that's true. It's not I don't true. Think it's, true. it's not. No, I, that documentary that I mentioned watching in the summer, you know, that's kind of a myth. Because they had, they fucking spent hours setting him up into this sort of. Exactly. He was like half in a table and they were just like, smoke, he couldn't, like his arms were not, you know, they were just like feeding him cigarettes and like the, the cast, the cast knew that that it was going to be a scene, I think, in which his chest burst open. But I think that there were elements of surprise, like how the blood would splatter, yeah. and, and the, so and they they literally do slip on the blood, and that's all real. Yes, but it's not that they didn't know what was coming. Thank you, okay. thank you. Yeah, okay. also, yeah. So that's an important clarification for yeah. sure. There's also just like watching it. There's like at least like forty cuts in the scene with it seems like a bunch of different setups. So it's like they had to do that. Over over and over again like yeah. how surprised could you really be <laughs> uh but then when when the the fucking alien motorcycles its way out of the scene oh my god the no no motor- we, we can't talk about that yet because they talk about how it comes out and looks at everybody yeah, it it goes like, oh. i love that i think that's amazing and the mouth going it's really cute it's really cute looking it's it looks like a tiny little penis with a tail and and a mouthful of like silver teeth (laughs) Um, i love the silver teeth and it's cute it's cute it's an adorable little thing and yeah, little and this puppet. is where Lambert says, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can see Kane's hands shaking. Oh, shaking. Yeah. Oh, I was going to mention that, that. The, like little twitching. But also the funny thing so is good. it parallels the dead alien that they put, put, put touch and then it yes. twitches as well. Uh, totally reflex right, action. Right. Body, yeah. body, body, body. And then they like poo Kane's body out of the spaceship. Also, they how do big is Kane's body spaceship? out of the spaceship? Yeah. Dude, okay, can I just say, can I just say, sorry, as I was watching it, I watched it with friend of the show, Anna. And I, like, when they throw the body out, I said, govno, which means poo in Serbian. And we always used to say that. Whenever something was like launched or something like that, we would always say "govno." <laughs> okay, can I just can I just shout out Dallas Tom Scared in that scene where he shoots out the poo? He's like, "Does anyone want to say anything?" Like he's so grizzled and like over it. Yeah, he's he's very he he's got very Riker energy. Yeah, he does. He does. It's so true. But like, if Riker was like forty years of doing a job that he hated. <laughs> yeah, all the all the sparkles gone off of out of Riker's eyes. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, yeah he all the majestic, majestic eyes. eyes. Yeah, um, it's like it's the the 
<laughs> um, the, don't even try that. That yeah, right? No, you can't. Don't even try. No, you can't. Don't even try. In the next scene, they are hunting the baby. They're hunting the baby, and what's his name? Ash uh, makes Ash. a device. Yeah, Ash makes that's like, like oh, it detects movements. But even there's like trickles of like Ripley's like detects movements. My ass. My, later yeah, on. totally. Like, Her suspicion of him uh, the fact that it like escalates even more to like i don't know like what is this shit like he's i don't trust him like fully yeah. even more doesn't trust him she it's hates amazing. the robot yeah 100 percent fuck this guy energy yeah and it's like it's like it it is so quintessentially like the kind of technology people envision from the set from the late 70s which is like a big bulky box with like a tube coming out of it that that you hold totally. it with a handle totally. and you point at totally. things. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's such a like a tradition in these fucking movies moving from this one till the third for sure, where you're like wandering through some gritty spaceship and you're looking among like cargo holds for an alien. Yeah. And it's like this slow, boring, but like, you know, suspenseful process. That, that's the thing about like the the seventies and eighties and even in something into the nineties maybe like the the ability to fucking have a slow burn and I'm yeah. so glad that's coming back I'm so glad that movies now are like like take I know I fucking harp on this every fucking episode but like let's take a minute to establish a wide shot to see what the fuck is happening and then like slowly enter into a room so that we like i don't know like have some semblance of like building to fear rather than just being like things launch at you in some way you know what yes, i mean totally yeah i think it's really important for audiences to fe- to be bored i don't know if that's the right way to put it but like you know the way life happens is that like there's a lot of boring moments and then that that provides the contrast with with the important totally. uh, intense and if you don't have a balance then there's no payoff in the in the intense moments you know like there's totally. no totally that's such there, a good point you need that contrast and you need the feeling also of like well what the fuck would this look like if you're hunting for something you don't even know what it is it's just like a lot of like wandering and not and being scared and looking in corners and 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 uh you know a lot of nothing and then that creates like the perfect condition for the following scene where of course Jonesy they discover Jonesy Jonesy jumps out and runs away and they make uh uh what do you call him Harry Dean Stanton's character shit I always for oh uh, Brett his name is Brett Yeah Brett I never they're remember like, his name They're like you go Brett. get him and I was like, oh, are we not moving in teams anymore? <laughs> like, <I guess laughs> okay. And then they, and then I love the build up to this scene because he's walking through these like kind of grungy, uh, you know, industrial environments. And then there's this beautiful symmetrical shot of these two massive mechanical doors that are rusted and weathered. And they have, and he walks through, there's like, they, they've, they're sort of open a little bit. And he walks between them into that kind of hangar space yeah. where there are these dangling chains that almost provide this eerie wind chime quality totally. and this water, this fucking. And I remember as a kid, this confused me. Like, where is the water coming from? Is it raining inside? I don't <laughs> understand. But it's just condensation. 
Yeah. And um, love this moment that he takes where he's just kind of letting the water drip on oh. his face and and it's uh, so good. You know, you can tell everyone's stinky and hot on this spaceship, and like even yeah, it's, yeah, if it's yeah. disgusting, dirty machine water. Like, yeah, maybe you would drink a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, it plays into his kind of, like, he's the gritty guy, right? He, like, fixes all the stuff. Like, he's kind of, like, not afraid to get a little dirty, you know? I think this, my favorite part of this scene is when a PA throws Jonesy into the, into where (laughs) he needs to go. Like, literally, literally... The cat is thrown into the scene, uh, yeah. and then Harry Dean picks up the the goo, the like goobery like uh, the skin, uh, skin that's been shedded, sh- yeah. which is very cool. Just that kind of imagery is very cool. So cool. And then we get the the like you know slow moving into like where the doors are and fucking oh man, I, I always, the reason I thought it was gross that he drinks the water too is because I always just assumed the alien was drooling on him. That's what I, I thought that yeah, when I was younger, but I didn't think it this time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, cause there is so much like secretion that comes from the alien all the time. There's so much moisture in these movies. Like everything is dripping. Everything is. And it's so it's got this sexual quality and this dirty quality to it. And it's just fucking great. It's all about textures. There's always differing, yeah. like, like uh, variations on goo and like Fol- viscosity and like texture and goo. of goo. And also it's, not just like physical textures but the sounds like the the ship has a breathing sound to it like the ship's a body too and there's these like beautiful like the the music like kind of uh pulses between that sort of fluty uh sounds and then the like murmuring uh, ominous sounds it's just like there's texture in everything it's fucking incredible isn't it goldsmith I didn't. I didn't think it was Goldsmith. I didn't see. I didn't notice who wrote the score. Oh, the I score? should have. God, we should I usually know this. take notice of that. But can I just say that this room? I wrote that this room looks like steampunk without the new metal. Yeah, it does, totally, totally, <laughs> totally. It does look like. Yeah, uh, yes. it is Jerry Goldsmith. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Who else was it going to be at this time? Can I? Can I shout out? By the way, that uh, like I don't actually think I've heard this said about this this movie it's probably been said but the black guy doesn't die first he dies last he dies uh-huh. last. second to last second to yeah. last i know next and to why the is trans he, character so why is he then billed like as the fi- as an afterthought that's i don't get it like why is he and when they bill uh with an and credit it's uh-huh. a special acknowledgement that and counts as a special acknowledgement yeah. so like it's actually oh. sought after to have that and credit oh yeah, good that, that's comforting to me because you want to know something kind of fucked up disney plus uh which is what i the platform i watch this on me too yeah in the details where it talks about the cast and the, the description, Yafet Koto is not even listed as a cast member. What? what? I fucking know. Fuck you, Disney. I know. I was like, what is this? This is outrageous. There's seven people in this movie and one of them is just left out. Disney, like, is so bad at that <laughs> stuff. Like, somebody at Disney, like, just, they, they just can't help but be racist. Whether it's on purpose or like, not. In their like, DNA. they just can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Skerritt goes to ask mother 
they all have sort of like a meeting and they're they're kind of they're super bummed uh, about Kane and then um, well Harry Dean St- Harry Dean Stanton has to die first yeah Harry Dean Stanton dies uh, yeah yeah and they, and we, we see the alien wait wait we see the alien okay. for the first yeah time. yeah let's we have to let's talk about this for a second <laughs> just quickly <laughs> the alien shows up like a big sweaty penis all and it's just up. like so gloobery and just like then shoots out its second mouth and we yeah. get the bite action which is amazing yeah, yeah. and jonesy yeah. looking ominously oh. down no jonesy dispassionately looking yeah, so dispassionately but the but the, just I, being I, a I was, cat jonesy's just being a cat you guys okay jonesy's cats like this. don't give a shit jonesy's looking after jonesy but i love it because you see like the shadow of whatever a dangling maybe it's harry dean stanton or one of those lang- those chains like the shadow of that across its face and it kind of like it's perfect i love that it's a perfect punctuation to the scene and then yes next scene is they're debriefing about this is where lambert is like Let's just blow up the ship. Let's just Let's try just blow and get up the into- ship. <laughs> yeah, I, like this scene is amazing. Like I just I want I want you to get the clips, Alex, for this movie because like I just want to put her voice in and just like that moment made me emotional when she's she like, says that. And she's like, I say we just abandon the ship and go on. And- we'll proceed with Dallas's plan. What? And then they'll blame the others. <laughs> no, you're out of your mind. You got a better idea? Yes. I say that we abandon the ship. We get the shuttle and just get the hell out of here. We take our chances and just hope that somebody picks up. The shuttle won't take four. And the reason the Ripley says no is because all four of them can't fit on the escape pod. Which seems like such a fucked up like thing to happen. It's like, wait. There's seven people. How are five of them not able to fit on the thing? Isn't this supposed to be an escape pod? It's It's like, if you need to escape, probably a bunch of you have died already. So, Well, I guess so. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And also, you know what? No, I think that's... I don't think that's reasonable to actually... I don't think that's actually logical. It could be a vessel for going to a different place, right? Like a mission Mm -hmm. for specific people, right? Yeah, like a shuttlecraft. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to be too hard on it, but also, like, I mean, what the fuck? That seems like such an oversight. For a ship that's literally, like, a thousand meters long, like, it's, like, massive. (laughs) It's a country. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Skerritt ends up going into, like, his little separate section where he talks to Mother. Sister's my new mother, Mother. Uh, Mother, tell (laughs) me. Ripley is my, is my new, new mother, mother. mother. <laughs> Speaking oh, of R.I.P. Uh, Lucille. Oh, Lucille, no. yeah. Yeah, um, I know. Jessica Walters. Bye. Yeah, she was great. Such a huge bummer. Um, but yeah, he asks mother. He asks mother if they're going to survive and what the what the protocol is. <laughs> Mother's like uh, does not still computing. Does not does compute. Not. says no. Computer says no. <laughs> he says, "What are my chances?" Yeah. She's like, does not compute. <laughs> so it's like, you're being abandoned by mother. And this is another thing why I love the movie, why it's so spare, it's so archetypal. Like, it, you know, the, you work, work for this thing, it's called the company. You know, when you talk to this, to the craft, or you talk, you know, when you're trying to get orders, you're talking to mother. Like, it's, and you're in a womb when you're doing it. Like, a, basically a circular room incandescent womb totally and mom is mom is abandoning you you know when mother fails ripley becomes de facto mother there's my new mother mother 
I dig that. Seriously. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, this fucking movie to me and the whole franchise is about motherhood, especially the first two, first, well, the first three movies. It's, it's, there's so many levels of like literal impregnation or pregnancy and a lot of body horror. I think it's a lot of anxiety around pregnancy too about being impregnated with an alien being a host rather than a mother but also like they're they're being abandoned by their parent which is their corporation right they're totally and um i love how desolate you know desolating it feels when tom scarrett asks mother like what are my chances and just like does not compute and he's like fuck okay i guess i'm (laughs) gonna do this he goes into the, 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 what do you call them? The air ducts. The air ducts, yeah. With a with fire thrower. Fire. <laughs> uh, and the, 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 the sphincters, the sphincter. Uh, <laughs> the buttholes start the closing. Butthole. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting also, like, I, I just to piggyback off of what you were saying, like, the ship being the mother, and, like, they're also kind of all within mother, right? Like yeah. they're like traveling within her and then like the buttholes are the body, but um, they're actual <laughs> sphincters. Uh, but what I was going to say, though, is Wayland Dutani would be the absentee father then. Well, and I mean, we'll talk about this once we get there. But by the fourth movie, the ship's computer is fathered. Yeah. Right. Okay. There's something to that, right? Like, is there this is something some kind of like there is uh, just Whedon. Now- yeah, I hate you. <laughs> I like you too. Um, but yeah, we can talk more about that because I'm like, I, I wonder, like, is this like sort of got an allegorical quality uh, of a progression from the feminine to the masculine? I have a lot of like questions about what the intentions are behind that. Yeah. But anyway, like, long story short, Tom Skerritt's stuck in the air ducts and uh, Lambert's navigating and, and we're introduced to this other sort of textural uh, anxiety producing element of the beep the beeping yeah. detection yeah. system, which will be carried into aliens. Yeah, I mean, it's just so claustrophobic and so hopeless. And you just know he's not going to make it. Yeah, oh. and he ends up touching that goo. Yeah. Oh, when he touches the, like, like, the jizz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, you know when jizz is around, it'll just be like a fucking alien. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is. But the, the, the interesting thing, too... Uh, about Tom Skerritt in this. This is a, this wasn't his last scene in the director's cut. No. In the director's cut, he's included, and that was the first time they said "kill me" in the franchise. Right. And it was cut from the movie, where Tom Skerritt is cocooned, uh, and you find out that there's supposed to be sort of like, oh, like it's like a, he's going to be a new host or whatever. Right. Or he's going to be used for eggs or whatever. Uh, and that kind of stuff is interesting that it bled into the rest of the series way later. So yeah. can I just say, is it canon that aliens, once they're fully grown, can also be parasitic and impregnate other hosts? No, and this is the thing that's really interesting because obviously this is the first movie, right? So they're still working out like, well, how does this all function? Like what, 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 you know, they're still working out the quirks of the alien universe. In the director's cut, they trade scenes. So they swap out the scene where Ripley says, no, 
to them bringing Kane inside, which I think oh. is like just such a character defining moment and a really important Yeah, no, one. that would have been bad if we didn't I, have that. I know, it would we'd be missing something, you know, about her character arc and where she gets sort of distinguished as the potential heroine of the story. And then yeah. they swap in this scene towards the end where I think everyone has died by this point and Ripley discovers this sort of lair. And they, oh. there are a couple of the the crew members are in various states of like chrysalis of transforming into aliens and, or oh. something. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's it's confusing. Weird. It's confu- Yeah, it's weird, and and it sort of doesn't totally work with the sort of uh, hive, you know, queen egg uh, sort of f- fertility process that kind of. Uh, mimics like maybe a, a bees or yeah, ants, or like a ants, or. But I guess because it's so and to to some degree, it's like almost like spider-like as well. They have like the queen has like multiple legs and stuff. Yeah, but like the the the, the life cycle is that you know an egg bears a face hugger, the face hugger impregnates the host, the host births the baby, and that's the life cycle. And sometimes a baby is a queen. Um, yeah. But, you know, so I think uh, even Ridley Scott says he prefers a theatrical release over the director's cut. And I think that makes sense just in terms of the the consistency of the the universe. Yeah, for sure. But it's, for sure. it's a grotesque scene, though. <laughs> it's really gross. It's so gross. It's amazing when Tom Skerritt is killed and we get the jazz hands. It's yeah, just the like, alien just kind of... Ju- like throws his hands up. He's like, I'm here. Hi. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's a quick cut, so it is horrifying, but it's kind of funny too. It like, is it's funny. a little bit funny. It well, it's funny. it's it's how you know that it's a person in a suit, right? And yes. that's the thing about this: is the alien is not animatronic. It is. This beautifully designed suit that this guy is wearing. So I think that he betrays his humanity a little bit with that like gesture. (laughs) He's like alien (laughs) (laughs) with the jazz hands. All he betrays his music theater training. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But Dallas was an amazing character in this movie. Oh yeah, and like. So, I, I think, um, gracefully not the main character of this movie. Yes. Like, he does such a good job of being such an interesting and um, sort of, like, support character in this movie um, that, like, perfectly kind of alley-oops uh, Ripley's rise into her real role in this film and in this yes. franchise. Well, he creates yes. a kind of vacuum of leadership that she has to get that she has to step into. You have Parker. He's actually like pretty on point as a character in terms of his instincts. So, like he's totally. often like, "Why aren't we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why aren't we freezing Kane with he's got yeah. his yeah. Where are my shares? To him? Where are my shares?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 he's really uh, you know, he, he he I think the reason that he makes it so far to the end is that he has a lot of the qualities that you need to survive. Like he questions things and he pushes back and you know, he just happens to unfortunately encounter the alien you know, at the wrong moment. And, uh, you know, totally. uh, but, you know, everybody, I think, like I said before, like Lambert, you know, as we progress, I guess, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. So after Dallas dies, they're trying to, oh, no, we, we got to talk about Ash. 
Yeah, we, we gotta talk about Ash. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Okay, so yeah. No, 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 but after Alice dies, uh, uh, Dallas dies, uh, we get that scene where they're congregating and discussing what they should do next. Yes. Uh, and uh, Ripley is like, I've got control of Mother now. Uh, Let's and get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. We take our chances. And- yeah, and and she she is like, we should get get out of here. We should just take the ship and go and blow this thing up. Lambert has the idea that Ripley eventually ends up using. Yeah, it just doesn't work because yes, of the numbers. Beca- yes, exactly. Yeah, but Lambert, that's the thing. Lambert also has the right idea. You know, she had the right idea from the beginning. She didn't want to even go to that fucking derelict space. Exactly. Park. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Kane, the, like, explorer, pushes forward. So, yeah, and I love how Ripley gives a little shade in Ash's direction when he, he's, he's like... Uh, what does she ask him? What does mother have to say? He says, we're still collating. And she's like, what? Oh, and she reacts to it. She, she laughs at him in a yeah. way in like disbelief. Ash? Any suggestions from you or mother? No, we're still collating. <laughs> you what? You're still collating? I find that hard to believe. What would you like me to do? Just what you've been doing, Ash. Nothing. I've got access to Mother now, and I'll get my own answers. Thank you. It's yeah. such a realistic performance. It's such a realistic Can performance. Can we just, like, shout out Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver's Weaver, acting? Yeah, I know, like, absolutely. we have to, like, specifically... Like, she's just, like... I don't think we've talked on this show yet about the caliber of actor that Sigourney Weaver is. Like, just, yeah. like monstrous actor like talk about subtlety talk about like choices being made like she was made to be a leading lady in the way that like she has she has such gravity when she just like walks into a room and it's like whoa who's that fucking person you know like part of it is her size too she's so tall she's so tall yeah Yeah. she has command she has a level of presence she has young Riker energy young right yeah that's right pre pre jaded right yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah so and and i think he says something she says just keep doing what you've been doing i I think she says like nothing yeah and it's just like such a good line and then she goes yeah. into the womb room and talks to mother. And she puts the chip in. Overrides the kind of <laughs> secret protocol and finds out what? What's funny? No, it's just funny that she does that. And like, it's, she's like override for nine, three, seven. And it's, yeah. it's just funny how that she Dallas, finds out. How did Dallas not override? He was so checked out. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Why? I'm just like, whatever. I'm just following orders. <laughs> Whereas yeah, he's like, can I ask why? Office. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. He kept deferring to the science officer. It was so weird. Yeah, he just didn't give a shit. He just wanted to get out of there, get his shares, you know? Go back to his cattle ranch. We find out priority <laughs> one is to ensure the return of organism for analysis. All other considerations, secondary, crew expendable. All crew, what? yeah, crew expendable. Yep. 
And and then the horrifying realization that both the audience and Ripley is making, and then when she leans back and re it's revealed that Ash is there, and he's got that yeah. fucking smile on his face <laughs> that you just want to fucking punch. It's it's so menacing. It's so it's menacing. It's so menacing. He's I've so scary. Part of it is that he's scary because he's little. Yeah. yeah, like and <laughs> scary Hobbit. He's he's yeah. unnerving too. He's yeah, you know, very. and you can tell throughout the movie he's an outsider. You know, yes. he doesn't have relationships with the crew. They, oh, he was yes. a last minute replacement. You know, even Parker gives him some attitude. He's like, "You're in my chair." He kicks him out. Like this yeah, guy yeah. is an outsider in every sense, and. Uh, yeah, and he's just there. Uh, also, Ripley uh, starts crying in this scene and leaves, and her hair looks amazing. <laughs> I actually, no, I'm, I'm not honestly like I'm, I'm like in these scenes in particular when it's a little bit wet and it's like yeah, just yeah. tousled up, and you're just like, curly hair, man. Dude. Like it looks like a who. Like that drag queen in the last season of Drag Race. Fuck. She she did the clown makeup all the time with the lips. Oh, really you're talking big. about Crystal Method, yeah, with the yes. mullet. Yeah, the yes, mullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what her hair looks like. Slightly damp curly hair is a beautiful thing. You yes, know? it is. It's just, I wish it's I still like, had mine. Curls respond so me. well to moisture. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then uh, she's trying to contact Lambert and Parker, and the comms are off. And then Ugh. Ash is pursuing her and closing doors while she's trying to exit. And, and then eventually, out of his head. And he's starting to sweat his 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 android sweat. And I love the way that they introduce the fact Ugh. that he's a synth by this excretion of milky fluid. I love love that the androids have like milky blood. I just think that's such yeah. an amazing oh, it's so choice. Good. Do you guys remember when he was drinking milk? He's like drinking that that same solution earlier in a scene. Ash. Wow, I didn't realize yeah. that. That's so it's interesting. It's so weird because I think they need some sort of like weird protein. We to were exchanging protein. If you can think of a different way to exchange protein <laughs> strands, I'd like to hear it. Uh, Mr. President, sir, people are becoming a bit confused by the way you and your opponent are well constantly holding hands. We are merely exchanging long protein strings. If you can think of a simpler way, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> I also I also really love how like sort of floppy Ash is in this scene. Like when he throws Ripley, he just kind of dangles like in a jangly jelly body kind of way. Totally jelly yeah. body. I it's thought jelly true. body too. Oh man, and this is the scene where he rolls up the magazine in front of the porno like stuck on the wall. He rolls up the magazine and tries to jam it in her mouth. It's just like a great choice to make of like the mal the logic of a malfunctioning android. You know, like I'm totally. gonna roll up a newspaper and try to jam it in this human's <laughs> mouth. And that's how yeah, that's like, what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Well like I mean that's the the funny thing is like it's like I don't have a weapon handy, so I'm gonna suffocate this person. It's practicality, yeah. I was gonna ask you guys, do you think okay, so do you think that it's his like priority now to get rid of these humans and he's trying to kill her or is he malfunctioning or both both he, I think both, both. Both, both yeah yeah he's all like he's, yeah. he's gone he's on in like turbo mode because remember that he has his little like psychotic oh, break 
he does yeah. a high noise. <laughs> and, and, but before he he does that, you know, when when uh, Parker and Lambert come into the scene and realize what's going on, Parker tries to intervene and he, he like grabs <laughs> he, he like grabs his like chest in a claw and it looks so yeah. painful. <laughs> it looks so painful because that is painful because. <laughs> Because I've had, I've had, not to, not like too much information, but I've had people grab my chest during intimate moments and it fucking hurts sometimes. It's like, damn, dude, that hurts. Yeah. And it's also just like a really interesting choice that like, I feel belies his malfunction. Cause he's like, he's not like I'm going to grab your throat and asphyxiate you. He's like, I'm just going to like dig my Android claw into your chest. Yeah. He's doing it to get him off very quickly. Cause that yeah. would hurt. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's yeah, on the yeah. receiving end of like the worst purple. purple, purple. purple. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then, you know, once, once, once Parker hits him over the head with that, um, what fire do you call extingu- it? Fire extinguisher. Then he, he then he go, goes into full robot arms. You oh, that? when he's like, does the pokey arms? I love the. Yeah. We're all doing it's the great. pokey arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my god, it was amazing. Yeah, like I love that too. But like, I kind of like it's it's it looks funny, but also like maybe a robot would seize up like that and yeah, like yeah. not be able to move its digits. Oh, it totally works. Yeah. It's just like a really funny thing that's happening, but it, it doesn't feel in any way out of line with what's going on. But I'll tell you what doesn't work is the oh. smashed off head. That like that smash cuts into (laughs) worst smash cut ever. It really looks like a high school film project. Just in that moment, guys. Actually, actually, it's it's funny because I I noticed this time it's not actually supposed to be a jump cut into a different thing. What they did, and I understand why this this probably happened. What happened was. When when it it cuts, it's supposed to be that somebody moved in and out of the way. So it looks like somebody moves out of frame into the ca- like yeah. from the camera. Yes. But but because it's a, a frame too short, it, the person has moved way too far out of the way. So you see the head too much. Yeah, and yeah. also the lighting is completely different. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, it doesn't work, but it's, it really doesn't work it's, at it's, all. It's unfortunate because the movie is seamless and perfect otherwise. But I mean, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I bet you he like he looks at that scene and he's like, oh, if only we could have made a couple of changes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I do love this sort of like milky coverage, you know, fucking android head uh i i do i do enjoy this scene it's grotesque it's got like anal beads in it too <laughs> well and this is another body right like we've got all this body horror but we got so many different bodies we've got android <laughs> bodies full of these beads like you said and milk anal beads floating in milk yeah, and um, it's the protein strands Oh, and when he drools the milk. Yeah, it's oh. perfect. And also Yafet Koto gets his shirt torn off, exposing his muscly body. I know. It looks like he's wearing a toga for the rest of the... He's yeah. really in, like, action hero mode by the end of the movie. He's got his headband. He, he is in action hero mode, and he's... 
He's so fucking 70s ripped. It's amazing. I love it's it. True. Also, yeah. we got to shout out some of the cool character moments of Yafit when he grabs like the like fork to protect everyone against oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. alien. And like he's always like yes. on the ready to be like the protector, right? And he's got good instincts. He's like, yeah, why the fuck do we not kill this thing that just exploded out of our crewmate's chest? And Ash always like, is like, no, no, don't no, no, no. wait. And, and, then, and then he lights uh, Ian Holmes. Uh, plastic <laughs> plasticine face on fire. Yes, but not before Ian Holmes says one of the more important things that I, I think oh. this is. So I have this feeling that I have this like kind of theory about the way that the alien is perceived as really telling. And, you know, you have alien as asset, you have alien as weapon, and you have alien as muse. And I feel like yeah. androids especially like are enamored of the alien because yeah, it's like totally. a perfect being, right? Yes. It's structural. Perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it? I admire its purity, survival, and all clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Look, I don't I've heard enough of this, and I'm asking you to pull the plug. He says, like, I admire its purity. And I do kind of love that, because he says what he... I think, feel like I wrote it down. Something like it's devoid of morality. Oh, that line was so good. I admire its purity, a survivor unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Ugh. And I'm like, that isn't that capitalism? Uh, like, yeah. it, 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 it feels like... That's why like we it, all admire it, Layla. Yeah, God, get on the fucking The trolley. unseen um, hand. Yeah, that's right. The invisible <laughs> hand of the economy. Um, yeah, but I, I kind of love that that moment. You know, it's the alien is still objectified in this way, but it's like it, there's this sense of its perfection and its perfection being tied to its inhumanity. So yeah, then then uh, Parker uh, flame throws Ash and his face melts. <laughs> it's so funny. I love how it looks. It looks great. It's like yeah. I, I was I was gonna say just before we continue on from Ash, he looks like he had like a paper mache mishap. Like he's like working on art attack, and he's just like it. Just that's the kind of like goo, dried goo that's on his face. And yeah. at this point of the movie, too, like <laughs> like I was saying earlier, everything has transitioned finally from light to dark. Everything is white to black. We're in the the shit. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where, like, the rest of the aesthetic of Alien comes from. Yes. Everything comes from this. Oh, that's very cool, Alex, because, you know, I have this theory about the whole quadrilogy that Ripley is like a kind of Persephone who mm-hmm. descends into the underworld and spends centuries being like pursued by this demon. Yeah. And it's only when she merges with the demon and that she be part of her DNA is spliced with it. And totally. the way Persephone merges with Hades in marriage that she gets to come back to earth. Totally. Oh, Layla, and, that's and I loved, perfect. Yeah, that was great. I, yeah. And then she's in the void of space. There's this, it's this definite sense of being in hell, you know, yeah, for sure. and different for sure. kinds of hell. But we'll talk yeah. more about that. Anyway, so now, yeah, so now we've transitioned into they want to get, they're going to get the fuck out of there. And Ripley tells Lambert and 
uh, Parker to go what get supplies or get oxygen or what something for the coolant. For the <laughs> coolant, yeah. coolant, yes, coolant. Uh, the all important coolant. And then she coolant. ties her hair into a ponytail. Yeah, oh, that's man. a great moment. The ponytail. Oh, is a great moment. Tail. So many good hair moments. And then yeah. she goes, she goes to set up the uh, self destruct and get the ship online, get the the the, the escape pod ready. And she hears Jonesy's meow. Oh. And she's like, I can't lose another crewmate. <laughs> Layla, Layla in this moment texted me, fucking Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> because she, cause she says like, because when she goes to that, you know, she goes to the cockpit or whatever. And I like, guess where she heard the sound and she's looking for Jonesy. And then Jonesy jumps out and she goes, God damn it. Jones. <laughs> and she collects the cat and is putting it in its futuristic cat carrier, which is like the same as it. So the cat carriers have not changed at all. No, they definitely just, not. They just they're like perfect. look. They're perfect. And then she overhears Lambert and Parker, who are gathering oh. the coolant, encounter the alien. Oh, it's so good and, to, for, to oh, have it be overheard. Oh, it's audio. terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's scarier than actually oh, seeing it happen. And that's yeah. why this movie is so intelligent because it it's really it doesn't show too much. It tells the story through all of the senses and like it uses light and it uses texture and it uses sound and like you get this sort of what it's doing is it's taking full advantage of the imagination of the viewer as a a proper horror should. Like you have to allow people's imaginations to fill in the gaps because our imaginations are often scarier than any kind of reality portrayed. So like, I just love the spareness with which you see things and you're left to imagine the most horrific things because ultimately, you know, we do see the alien approaching Lambert and we see the alien attack Parker. And it's like, you get these moments, these flashes of like body horror when the, the mouth punctures Parker's body or you see it approaching Lambert and the tail is sneaking up behind her. And I don't know what happens with that tail. Yeah. It's there's definitely, there's definitely like a penetrative aspect, right? Like that's what I thought. I thought of like medieval impaling or something. Well, that's, that's like, but I think there's very much like an an, sexual. So I, some one thing that we haven't really like, talks too much about is how this movie if we're using the terminator parallel the this is the first movie being the horror right yeah to the second one being the action action and both uh coincidentally sequels directed by james cameron james cameron yeah i mean the thing is but the, the understanding that he has to pivot genres in sequels is like a really important thing that it's I'm profound. actually. It's, a, I'm it's actually, a profound realization to make. Yeah, I'm actually very. That's why I'm kind of excited for Avatar too. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, I, some somebody pointed out. I think it was like Jason Matsukas on a podcast. He pointed out how crazy it is that Avatar has such a an intense relevance without ever getting mentioned. Yeah. Interesting. Like yeah. It, it, it has no relevance outside of, oh, like, yeah, like Avatar exists, but like culturally, like who says ever 
like oh yeah. I, th- this is this is something that that's my favorite movie like who do you know that's like that nobody nobody no one nobody. no one you're so right it just it exists and it takes up space in this way but it's 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 no one like thinks about it or talks about it or yeah. cares about it yeah <laughs> it like so it's like it, that it, meme format where it's, it's like titanic though that's it's, it's a james cameron thing he makes this thing that like burns hot and bright for a moment and like leaves a mark on our timeline yeah but then like afterwards it, it doesn't carry like I don't know it is like it is just it is what it is it's it's whatever but you can't erase its mark but I do yeah, think like, that I that guess, was a post Titanic like, thing I do think that that yeah, was like, like he, but, but, but wait 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 I'm sorry I'm so sorry to interrupt both of you guys I, like I, I understand but Titanic has I'm the king of the world it has the hand on the on the window right, right, like right, I can right. remember thi- it has Billy Zane in it the- listen to your friend Billy Zane Billy Zane. <laughs> like it, it's got things that I Kathy Bates is in it, right? It's got things that like I can grasp onto and hold on to and be like, this happens in this. Beautiful young Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it has things that have cultural relevance and importance. But Avatar, like, can you name like name it's three true. lines from well, Avatar? Because, yeah, I mean, because its protagonist is this. Unobtainium. Yeah, there you go. Like something ridiculous. But yeah, like the protagonist is just like a piece of Wonder Bread, you know? Yeah, he's like the most boring guy, like boring actor, and then everyone else is is like is. I'm okay with Sam Worthington. Actually, I'm not gonna throw shade at Sam Worthington. He's okay. He's He's got a tough time, you know. Like he is kind of boring looking. He's boring everything, but I don't dislike yeah. him. I just, yeah. you know, that's it's whatever, you know, it just is. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like Avatar. Like, he just, it just is. I don't know. Maybe because Avatar, I really do feel a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a lot of its most important moments and characters are animated. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it's a good not point. A, it's not an that's animation. True. It's not like a Disney animated movie. Yeah. It's some kind of. It's, it's like hard a moment. to relate to them. It, it, yeah, like marks- those damn Navi. It's so hard to relate to them. I'm so glad we're stealing their unobtainium. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't mean to derail the conversation uh, <laughs> that that far into it. Um, so both uh, both of the last two of our seven characters die and Ripley's left alone and she's pulling uh, she's trying to like I guess disconnect the ship and or get get to the other ship but also she wants to self-destruct this ship and she starts doing that like pulling the things out and as she's doing it she's I love it I love it I love how tactile and like it, it, I don't know why, but like, there's something so Fisher Price about this spaceship. Totally, like, you know, it's just yes. like, you know, like you screw the thing and you pull it up. Like, it's it's just so tactile and so physical, and it's like that that quality of technology that I think of construction often as like bright colors and big buttons, and like I dig that, you know. And it's like a physical process. It's a physical yeah. process to activate self-destruct, which I think is smart because yes, you don't want to just press a button. Yes, and then. So she gets that going. She's fucking grieving as she's doing it. She's losing her mind. And then you have this beautiful, beautiful 
seen shaky cam, appropriate use of shaky cam, uh, while totally. she's running through the hallway, <sighs> and you get the beautiful introduction of the strobing light, oh, and the yeah. and the breathing, the the hyperventilating, and the the thing about this movie that I really like is that they cut music, and they just use the sound of breathing, yeah. and yeah, they know when they don't like bombard you with music and tell you how to feel like every second they use music strategically and they 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 omit it strategically and then you have her running through the hall trying to get to the spaceship she's up against the wall the light is strobing on her face she turns a corner and the fucking alien is right there yeah and then you get this amazing moment of her sliding down the wall like wet wet hair like a like which is just the thing your body would do yeah yeah just like just seized and sliding away and i love that you're reenacting it it's amazing the the sliding (laughs) away and the eyes being really wide open yeah Yeah. it's it's really cool because it gives it puts you in the moment and also it kind of plays up this like horror slasher element right yeah it it, it makes it she's confronting the murderer yeah it makes it like yes. it's the kind of putting your hands up, but like still retaining this aura of believability. And also, yes. it's embarrassing. Yeah, it is embarrassing. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's it's like my wetting yourself. Part. Yeah, <laughs> vulnerability. It's hard being an actor. All of us were actors. It's really hard and very vulnerable. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And like, it, and, but the thing is, like, when someone commits fully to like, how would this feel? It's not embarrassing because you just know that that is like a fundamental human response. Like if she hadn't committed in that way. Oh, totally, totally. I I, I don't mean like, embar- I mean embarrassing as in like, if I saw the faces I made during <laughs> orgasm, I would be embarrassed. Like, oh, but God, but in yeah. the moment, my like if, if my partner's enjoying it, it's fine. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yes. think about it. I, like I'm disconnected in that way. But like if I was yeah. like, like, it's like sometimes sometimes when people scream it sounds ridiculous and funny That's and when true. it's when it's nothing then you can laugh about it but when it is something it's like oh no i feel exactly what you would be feeling i'd That's be true. very scared of an alien and we don't get to experience like people in that primal state that often so it's yeah. like it's so extreme and it's so involuntary you know, yeah. that I totally get that because it is it is that sense of like being in such an extremely involuntary primal reaction, totally. you know, not gathered, not civilized in any way. Yeah. And so she runs back. She fucking throws Jonesy down and runs back and you get this ma- amazing moment where the alien just hovers its face over the little window into the cat yeah. carrier. <laughs> I love the that. two it's like great- predators recognize each other. It's it's totally. but it's a great moment because yeah. of the fact that it, it it's giving you the you the horror at the same time that it's giving you the comedic relief. Yeah, absolutely. By the same thing, it's the same animal, you know. Yeah, it's exactly. Great. It's so true. It is so true. Yeah. So she runs back, hyperventilating through the strobing light, through the like alarm, you know, the jarring alarm sound that just pulsing, pulsing constantly runs all the way back and tries to sh- to to stop the self-destruct and she's going mother! through all these stupid things and she's yeah exactly and she's mother i did you know i deactivated the self-destruct and mother's like 
T minus, blah, blah. And she's like, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> she just has a total meltdown teenage moment. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. And mother. this is like how people react. I'm like, mother. <laughs> and then, uh, you wouldn't know, it be funny if, if she was like, mother. And we dubbed in <laughs> Lucille Bluth. <laughs> <laughs> So then she's like fucked, you know, because she's like, okay, I, she has to run back. She has to go back. She has to literally run towards her fear. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's, it's so it's, good. It's so good. I, it's, I texted Malenko and I was like, I'm very stressed out right now. And he was like, about the podcast or the movie? Like, movie. <laughs> immediately thought of his own thing. Well, He's just trying to be helpful towards of me. Course, He's trying, of but I'm like, no, like I, I'm just like, literally, I need to have a drink. Like I am just so <laughs> tense, and I know what's gonna happen. Like I know she's gonna live, and still, I'm so tense. And, it's so and effective. We, oh. And we come to one of my favorite moments in the movie, which is when she's back against the wall with the strobing light. Yes. And she has to bring herself to look around the corner. And they yeah. take that moment. They 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 bask in it. It's so good. This is where you're right, Leila. Like you need that boring moment of like staying on it that many seconds yeah. longer. You know, like yeah. it's perfect. And you have yeah. this f- feel the the beating of the heart and the throbbing and that just sense of urgency and paralysis and fear and it's such a cocktail of anxiety and like primal emotion and it's just beautifully accentuated by light and i think the way they use light in these movies is so beautiful like i just honestly i think about it often like i just have never been so moved by the use of light in a movie as i am with alien and aliens and the the funny thing is too is this this i noticed this is the only one of the movies where people are flesh colored like all i i know that's like a very specific thing to point <laughs> out but but like everybody looks like a real person in real life uh, yes. And in the second one, everybody's a little blue. In the third, it, it goes from for, for the color grading, but everybody's like a little jaundiced in the third one. Everybody's a little bit like like greenish in the yeah. fourth one. Whereas this yeah. one is very much like everybody looks like a real person. There's a full color palette for sure. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's yeah. also, everybody's teeth are yellow, like 70s yellow teeth. 70s yeah, yellow. just the every every man quality of the cast is just so perfect. Yeah. Um, so Ripley, the alien's not there, and she remembers the cat, and I think that kind of helps to propel her. She's like, I've got something to look after. I've got a purpose. She runs into the spacecraft or the pod, the escape pod. Puts Jonesy the down. way she jerks that cage around, I'm like, holy oh, I know, shit. Know. It, it looked like the cat was not having fun in there. But you know that's what you'd fucking do. You'd just throw it in. You're, you know, your body, <laughs> your nervous system is all fucked up. Totally. Um, she, like, she puts the straps on. She doesn't even, like, I don't even know. She does up the buckle. <laughs> she just gets the fuck out of there. And you can just feel like she's at the point of almost being faint. As the thing is counting down, that explosion like doesn't even go planned. It goes like Argyle. <laughs> that explode. Yeah. Talk about colors. Like it's just like the most nuclear explosion in space ever. Yes, 
It's like a three-parter, too. It's like... Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, and then the last one is like, it goes orange, your favorite color. (laughs) that's right. (laughs) And, um, you know, she's just like, you know, fainting away. Like, she's made it, you know? It's It's like her body is like, okay, we've made it. We've gotten to the place we're safe. And she's just sort of like... Oh, I don't know. That, I, I love that, it. Like, the light on her face. Mm-hmm. The way she looks. Yeah. The, the like, you get the like extreme flash of like overpowering white light on her face. And then she's just like sweaty and like, like relaxing for just a second. Yeah. Yeah. You feel and the relief. She, you feel the relief. Like, and she says, I got you, you son of a bitch. Oh, Great so- moment. But in classic horror movie fashion, it's not the end. Okay, so if the ship is Mother and she calls Mother you bitch, is the alien the son of a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is a drone. And he is a big penis, so... uh, We we could only... If we could only literalize patriarchy any more than that. And then we get our... Also, we get a sexy scene yes. of of uh, Ripley finally sexualizing herself because she's free from the the grasp of patriarchy but in the most like fruit of the loom commercial way totally, you know like totally. that's that's yeah that is underwear that came out of a bag or a box that you bought at a department store you yes, know I you got your the little cut though I, Very it's like, low cut. It's, it's functionless low cut, though. I'm like, I need the back of my underwear to cover my butt <laughs> yeah, crack some support. at the very least. Like some something going on, you know. Like it, yeah. it's 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 very of the time, you know. It's very yeah. '70s era, super low bikini brief, whatever. Um, and <laughs> totally. she's just pressing some buttons. She's getting herself ready. She puts the cat in its little. You know, she has a little banter with the cat. She puts the cat in its little pod. Yeah, now that one person didn't survive, like not enough people survived, there's an extra pod. (laughs) Well, and the people who do survive are, you know, arguably the people with the strongest instincts. You know, it's like a cat and, you know, this fucking badass woman. And I I love that. I love that the cat survives. I love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so, so like a cat to, well, I mean, they have nine lives, but um, the alien also survives, though. Yeah, yes, it does. And, and also jazz hands at... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in classic, like, like, pred- like a pred not the predator, but like predators, like top of the food chain predators, they can just, like, they have the luxury of just falling asleep anywhere because they know no one can hurt them. Like lions just like sleeping in the savannah with all the, you know, prey around them. Like they don't give a shit. Like the alien's That's like, true. I'm just going to curl up here. I don't care what this human's doing. I'm just going to nap for a bit. Well, the, I thought that was interesting, the kind of weird docile quality of the alien yeah, in this like, scene. Yeah, it was like kind of like slow. I feel Whereas like the alien's the like, ones? I'll eat you later, you know? Like, I don't want any rush. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's beautiful to me how the alien blends in yeah. with the, uh, the, the spacecraft. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then when she starts, like, like she hides and then slowly puts on the spacesuit. Oh, oh, it's that so, was so good. Weird. And then, and then he, like, the alien's gross jizz dick mouth comes out. <laughs> it's yawning. It's having and a little yawn. Like, and it goes back in. But, like, it's you're right. It is very slow. I That part is amazing. It looks like there's, like, straight cobwebs on the side yeah. of the mouth. On yeah. the, like penis part of the mouth <laughs> you know what's crazy though the original ending of the the movie where ripley was supposed to die did they do the like alien, a jazz number and the alien was supposed to mimic her voice like talk. <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling i was i'm telling you that was the original ending oh that was dude i happen. wish that ending happened it would totally have lampooned all of the other sequels Oh, yeah, oh, it would have destroyed God. everything. What, like, this is Ripley, like, waiting yeah. to dock at yeah, Earth it was Station. Like, it was like the Terminator doing the... the oh, like, my God, that would have been hilarious. Like, hello, my baby, no. hello, my brother. <laughs> that's every time I, I think of... Yeah, that's basically what I think of. Yeah, Outrageous. that would be really wacky. I'm glad they didn't do that. But, yeah, so, so you know, she gets into the spacesuit and... She takes this like harpoon. I love yeah, the harpoon because it's such a it's such a good touch. Um, like she doesn't have anything at this point. Like she's just like, so I just have to grab this like space harpoon. So I just want to understand who like packs a, a harpoon into the escape pod of a spacecraft. Okay, so the only thing I think of for that is that, like, maybe, maybe they're, like, in spacesuits out on the thing and they need help docking into something, so they, like, shoot it out. But how would it shoot out in space? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It does, And you know what? It doesn't matter that much. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not stuck on it. It's just a really interesting well, I, My choice. interpretation <laughs> is that, like... You know, we're always we we're not a spacefaring being just yet, um, and I think the nautical theme always yes. repeats in. That's true. There's something I have to say about that. Okay, what I, is I it? learned a piece of this is a piece of trivia. I know it's kind of late in the. How did you recording. guess? No, please. Um, okay, how did you guess? How did you guess? So, I was like, "What does Nostromo mean?" I want to understand why they chose this uh, this name for the ship. And it turns out that Joseph Conrad wrote a novel called Nostromo, Whoa. and it's about this this make sort of made up South American island where there's like civil unrest, and there is this like sea captain who has acquired a lot of silver, and he wants to in he wants to protect it against all this sort of corruption and stuff. So he entrusts it to this man named Nostromo, who is a character who has a lot of integrity. And he takes it to this island and buries it. But slowly over the course of time, Nostromo is corrupted and ends up siphoning off this silver. And basically, Sulaco is the name of the port city where this all goes down, a made-up port city. And Sulaco is the name of the ship in Aliens. In aliens. And this wow. is crazy, crazy. And I was like, so Amazing. they show they randomly like I don't know if it's because the story's about corruption and because you know we have this element of the company and exploitation. Cool. We have like, the biggest embodiment ever of corruption, which we'll talk about next episode. Absolutely. So I just was like, okay, so you know they t they took the names from this book 
for some reason uh, for both the first and second movie. And I was just like, oh, that's really, and, and it is a nautical sort of story about seafaring people. So, you know, there is this element to Alien of like, you know, a, a spaceship is akin to, I guess, a sea ship. Yeah. And maybe that's why there's a harpoon. That's yeah. why there's a harpoon. There's anyway, yes. a lot of like nautical talk as well in, in well, like yeah. when they're, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, like so she grabs the harpoon. Whatever, like. I, I just want to note something too, just in terms of distinguishing between characters. Like you have a character like Lambert who becomes immobilized in the face of the alien. But the minute Ripley notices the aliens oh. on board, she takes, she acts, right? Yes, so she, yes. she escapes. She has these, she has a perfect balance of instinct and logic and strategy yes. to survive. So she goes in, she's, she's hiding. She sees the spacesuit. She develops a strategy. She gets in the spacesuit, spacesuit. She gets the harpoon. And what I love the most is she starts to sing to herself. Oh, as she's like executing she has her strategy, have me some fun moment. Yeah, but like her lullaby, you know, yeah. like she's a mom. This is probably a thing she sings to her daughter. She's just singing it to herself to get through this fucking excruciating moment. Totally, you know? yeah, sure. I love Which it. Is something I love sure. it. I would do that. I would do that. I would sing to myself because yeah. I, it's like a very primal way of trying to calm yourself down, like a childlike way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you okay? So my question is, like, back to Ripley being a mother, it, like, okay, so she goes on a mission that's gonna last like two years. Yeah, is I it? mean, you gotta make is it money. Two years? Is I it mean, two years, like though? they they say at one point that their trip back is gonna um, be ten months. So mm. I presume that like it was ten months there as well, right? I mean, you're a blue-collar worker yeah. in a fucking, you know, a dystopian world. You got to get the money where you can. You yeah. Know, I, I, I guess that's Like, times, is it a contract, you know? though, that, like, do you get, like, a big payout dude, and then you don't dude, have to work for dude, years? Maybe. Dude, maybe. Joko, Joko didn't see his kids for, like, years. Yeah, but that's, like, a very specific situation. I mean, that's true. That's that's actually true. I, okay, how that's is a good that point. A very, that's exactly that, this No, that's exactly the same thing. You're right. You're right. It, this actually, is just I, we have a family story that, like, a great-great-grandfather was a merchant. Thirsty for more. And he, <laughs> he left... For ten years, <laughs> he came Whoa. back. <laughs> it's so like oh, old amazing. school, you know, like old country. You know, you're like, yeah, you're still married. You're gonna be married until you die. Like maybe he's dead. Who knows? He comes back and you just resume life. Wait, he okay, so did he come no, back? Yeah, he came back. Oh, that's yeah, amazing. I know, I, like, that's that's all amazing. I know. Good for him. I know. That's awesome. I know. Good for. I know. Good for him. Was it worth think, the trip? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, this is my grandmother tells me these things, so I, I don't. I, I mean, don't that's know. a really I mean, important part of the story, ask. though. Like, if you go away for ten years, but she doesn't. If you go away for ten years, you better be coming back with like enough money to live for the rest <laughs> oh, of our lives. Well, believe me, I had questions. I just didn't get any more <laughs> than I was given. Okay, so anyways, Ripley, you know, gets into her little chair. She pulls on her, her, you know, she straps on her uh, safety belt. And she's pressing the buttons and the aliens kind of rela- reacting to the the venting. I guess she's venting the oxygen or whatever. And she's singing the, you are my luckies, <laughs> which so is good. a song. I've never heard the real version of it, but I sing that song sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
That's amazing. <laughs> you must and be my lucky star. Honestly, one of the, my favorite moments from the movie is when she's, you know, getting close to doing all the button pressing and the venting that she needs to do. And she starts to look, you know, to the side of her visor oh, and sees the, the alien scene. and fucking screams like blood curdling scream and presses a button and launches it out of the airlock. It's pure it's instinct hot. in that moment. It's yeah. pure instinct. Like, it's great. It's great. But she she also sort of, like, um, prepares herself enough so that she can, like, just act in the moment and make it happen fast. And then we get this swell of music as the alien is just sucked out. And the harpoon has a string that as the hatch is closed, <laughs> it, like, closes. The gun closes the- traps it traps it it's so good and then like the alien goes inside the vent and she presses the button to like explode it and then it just like leaks fuel outside yeah we just yeah, get this yeah, dripping yeah. of fuel it's oh, so, so good it's so good and 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 the score is so it has this like wondrous quality to it you know, there yes. are elements of the score that are very ominous and very sort of scary and eerie. And then there, but there are these like fantastical sort of, I don't know, dreamlike, uh, st- almost fairy tale. Um, uh, fe- it gives me a fairy tale feeling, like the flute and the sense of wonder and like curiosity and. Um, and and also this sense of like epic wonder when the alien, <laughs> the alien is sort of defeated. Yeah, and there's this tremendous sense of relief, and yes. also like a sense of accomplishment. Like she made it, she survived. Yes. She did what she had to do to, to basically survive this super predator. Yes, yeah, you know this. And then that was her theme. entire life. <laughs> well, it, yeah, I know, I know, it I know. It's so hard. To. I love, yeah. I love your theory though that like you know, it, 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 every every story, and we will get to it, but every story as we go, it, it becomes more part of her persona. Her relationship to these beings become more and more a part of who she is. Until of course, at the end, they are literally a part of her DNA. But yeah, Absolutely. well, of course, I'm sorry to be skipping ahead. No, but I have this feeling that the reason Ripley survives is because she is capable of meeting the alien on an instinctual level. Yes. In a way that others can't. Either they they objectify it as a muse or they objectify it as a weapon or they objectify it in other forms. But she just kind of sees through that. She has no agenda. Yeah. Totally. She's just like this. She appreciates how the the threat that the alien poses yeah by being scared in the right way that's the only way she appreciates them too is she respects the fact that they're undefeatable yes and it's not like we need to study it she's like no you know it's 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 kind of a form of hubris yes to to want it, it they fetishize the alien it's yes. very there's a lot of different yeah. forms of fetishization and it's like they misunderstand its power and yes. she's the only person who actually fucking gets it and she's the only person who can respond from a similar similar place of instinct and intelligence and i feel like that's why she's the survivor and the cat because <laughs> um, the cat is basically like a mini mini alien right like mini perfect predator unapologetic yeah, sure. amoral amoral just covered in fur <laughs> and we get the the iconic sign off yeah 
Oh, it's so good. Third officer. We get so many like cool details that end up sort of um, following the the throughout the, the the series. You kind of get these snippets that come up again from this like yes. final message, right? It becomes so iconic. And then she puts herself to sleep, and the last thing we see is this sort of calm, serene sleeping ripley like a sleeping beauty and they and they call her snow white in another or sleeping beauty in a future movie i think (laughs) um and she's she's hoping that she's gonna get picked up but she doesn't know she well how can she it hasn't the future has not happened yet we know we have the pleasure (laughs) of foresight yeah it ends on a sort of bittersweet hopeful note you know because she doesn't know what's going to happen either she's hoping that she'll get picked up but she doesn't know yeah Uh, so in it's a movie that ends in a way that's very the whole movie the whole everything about this movie is very desolate yeah it's a tough movie it's it's painful you know and even though she she you know survives in the end there's very little to hold on to you know it's just like yeah I'm going to put myself in hypersleep. I hope somebody finds me. And, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a perfect movie. The movie is a perfect organism. I agree. I'm going to be Ash and be like, perfect. Literally from, from trailer to name, to poster, to characters, to actors, every single aspect, even the, the, the series that it spawned. Yeah. Like, it, it, it really holds up in a way that you could never say somebody like, um, you could never say something like, like an actor that spawns a certain kind of generation of actors. And you're and, and like every subsequent person is just kind of sa- a sadder version of the last. Like this had like a pretty sustained, I think a pretty sustained legacy. Yes. Yeah, like that this, hasn't yet been tarnished. I mean, by, the, the, you know, we talk we talk about like which one's the best one, which one's our favorite one. Obviously, like for us because also because of our generation like we love the second one and also because the second one is the most for kids right like or can be for in quotations for kids kids. because we we had toys that were based on it right so how toyetic can you get like there was an element of it that was appealing to like like children right um but you don't have the franchise without the first one. You don't have the mythos without the first one. You don't have anything without the first one. Like the first one sets the bar so it's high. It's the back to the future of the aliens. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it's perfect. It's perfect. And it's so good that it makes the subsequent movies better. And I, I, I also do think it, it reminds me a little bit of the matrix. Not that the, you know, the second aliens is a brilliant movie and I loved it and I love and I love it for so many reasons and it's so unique and so special and it really pulls off what it's what it aims to pull off like yeah. it does what it's meant to do beautifully but there's something about the first movie where I feel the sim- similarly about the matrix that the first movie is self-contained and really well done and artistically just very complete yeah and I feel similarly about Alien that it, it has this sense of being complete. It is its own. It has its own genre. 
yeah. that is limited to the first movie. It, it it's an ensemble, but not in the way that Aliens is. It's it it's just aesthetically and uh, artistically just beautiful and complete unto itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I but I love so much that this franchise, each movie is unique and each has its own sort of genre difference and its own take on the story and the character arc and i I love that i love how each one is so unique Mm -hmm. and i personally feel at least for the first three movies and this is not necessarily a common opinion but i think that each one is really great in its own way Yes, I agree. <laughs> Even, no, that, yeah. you you will get no pushback from this uh, crew on that. <laughs> we're 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 fully in agreement. Um, but like, it, it is weird to me how rare of an opinion that actually is. But guys, let's let's get on to the. I mean, I think we know what the rating is. I don't think we. I think it's tens across the board. Uh, yeah. Not wanting uh, to speak absolutely. for anyone, but let's let's hear. It. Let's let's see what out of ten. What did you think, Layla? I give it 10 out of 10 face huggers, 100%. <laughs> Alex? I give it 10 out of 10 Ripley's. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. It's a perfect organism. I give it 9 out of 10 scarrots. <laughs> Dude, I give it 10 totally, Yaffets. Totally, totally 9 oh, scarrots. Oh, are great, yeah. Uh, 10, 10 John Hurts. Ten. Oh, what's ten Lambert's hurts. what's Lambert's name? The actor. Veronica. Uh, yeah, Veronica Cartwright. Oh, ten Cartwrights for sure. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> ten. Oh God. Oh God. It's the kind of movie where you have moments where you're like, "This is so good," and that's yeah. how you want to feel when you're watching something. For sure. Um, and that you can watch it over and over again oh. and, and be like, oh man, I got something so new out of that. <laughs> like, like, honestly, it's just like, it, it was like watching it again. I was just like, all right, let's look at the backgrounds. <laughs> you oh, know what I you mean? mean? Like the real star of this movie is the production design. Like, yeah, let's, totally. let's, let's take a second and talk about like the, from how it's, all laid out to how it's filmed like it's so beautiful and cinematic like yeah yeah it's like oh look at this fucking matte painting dude they used to draw things on glass and then shoot it through the class like what amazing it's it's honestly exquisite like even you know the the um the keyboards yeah have random sanskrit words on them and yeah and you ever notice when they type on the keyboard, it's almost like those symbols create the essence of a statement. Because they'll yes, press like yes, three yes. buttons. Totally. And it'll be like, what's the story, mother? And it's like, you did not type that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you totally did Yeah, I love it's that. It's some sort of Siri technology. It's like that, <laughs> new, like that new movie, what was it called? Arrival, that they like have, they communicate oh, with yeah, the time. Ink, ink, the inky elephantine ink, ink aliens with the, like, yeah. the circular <laughs> script. Yeah, and then also like, I love the use of light and the way they create atmospheres, like for example, in the very beginning of the movie, when the computers come alive, and you see the script of the computer reflected in the visor of an empty helmet. Yeah. And you see so in good. the spaceship, these like human kind of 
eccentric eccentricities like these sort of humanizing elements like little baubles and things that are kind of worrying and there there's just so much detail the and ship so is much alive. thought it is alive and they they just put so much work into creating an environment that is like you said Alex lived in yeah. and yeah. i kept thinking one thing that kept coming up for me is that like i feel the human hands behind the props behind the sets yeah. like behind every element it's so material mm-hmm. there's no hint of like inauthenticity or cgi or anything like that everything is so concrete and is so much crafted by human hands and i think that's what creates that timelessness yeah. like it doesn't date itself at all it's just kind of exists outside of a timeline yeah. it's just a story about you know people in space you know and it just feels I don't know. They're just. I feel that we need to return to that tactile quality in the filmmaking, yeah, especially definitely. when it comes to sci-fi. Well, Possessor is a really good example of that, which I know it, it, you had issues with, and also it's okay. I I was just in the wrong place and time to watch it. <laughs> but okay? K- I know it Kay's also different. like messaged me today about it, and I actually got really upset about it. I got, took it really personally. He was like, "Meh, I didn't, I didn't like it." Vander and S. I was like, "No." Oh, no. <laughs> I, took it so I took it so personally but like yeah like I, I i think that's that's something that brings these that bridges those two movies is that there's a realness the realness and like like you said it doesn't it can't date if it's real looking it will never date because there's no there's no replacement for real there's no like oh well we just film this differently now you know or we just like yeah. draw this shark differently now or whatever you know there's like eras of time with cg where this like you know it's just fucking real it's there yeah and i think there's something to be said also about the genre of horror that requires yes. a level of simplicity like you have to have suspense you have to be very spare in our in the audience's exposure to the threat. Yeah. Um, you you know there are certain things that we have to embrace simplicity in order to pull it off. Yeah. Because if you bombard us with the wrong kind of and that's the thing that I feel about this movie they made all the right decisions. Yes. They invested time and energy in the right things. They left the right things simple. You know that they I I just think it was just so intelligently pulled off and and obviously like a lot of props to you know the people in the art departments and the props and to, you know Geiger for his vision. You know, if the alien looked different, this movie would not be the success it is. Like, the totally. alien... Yeah. Also, that had to be done right. And a, a little piece of, like, trivia is that... Geiger designed a face hugger first. That was his cool. first creature design before he designed... I love knowing that. That actually makes so much sense because it is the inception of the real creature, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. He started with the egg, then he moved on to the chicken. <laughs> Guys, this was this was so great. I'm so excited that uh, this is working out. Let's, let's wrap this up because we have a lot more yeah. to talk about. Uh, and we'll see you next week on Aliens. Thank you so much. Bye! Bye! <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>